Hi, I'm Chief Mike Force, and you're listening to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Two Guys Talking is an internet radio show podcast, providing you with complete, detailed, and always educational perspectives when it comes to television, feature films, DVDs, Blu-rays, and the hottest in online entertainment. This week, it's Two Guys Talking, The Empire Strikes Back, 1980, directed by Irving Kirshner. Frozen Tundra was a pretty normal phrase for me. Having grown up in Chicago, then Wisconsin, frozen tundras were pretty regular. They occurred often, but in 1980, a new frozen tundra experience started something completely different in the lives of millions worldwide. It was The Empire Strikes Back, the sequel to a little movie called Star Wars. Mount your not-yet-frozen tauntaun, Set your expectations for super high as we speed towards Cloud City. Bring your forehead high waiters as we head to Dagobah and give the whole Skywalker clan a hand because it's time for the two guys talking Star Wars perspective review of The Empire Strikes Back, 1980, directed by Irving Kirshner. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Chris DiGiuseppe, your other host. And I am Pat Doring, the original Grandmaster Jedi. I made that up, Grandmaster. You need to say host. Not a host. He's definitely a host. There's a a creature living within him. He's a host. Yes. But he also has an expansive knowledge of Star Wars, and I'm so glad that you're here with us, Pat. It's a pleasure. A couple of quick housekeeping notes. The Editor Corps. The Editor Corps is a busy troop, especially as we speed toward the holidays, but something that everybody should be checking out, whether you want to edit podcasts Mm -hmm. as a podcast editor or if you're a podcaster now and want to offload the sickeningly long, boring duty Mm -hmm. of editing your own podcast, you can do that over at editorcore.com. Everybody check out the website right now. Stop what you're doing. Well, listen to this, but open up a browser window and check out editorcore.com. Dot com. They are excellent, Mike. I could, yeah, I just have to say, uh, editor, uh, and see, they'll edit that right out. You know that. I mean, it, all those those words that I shouldn't be uh, filling the time with. I totally agree with that, and right. so forth. <clears throat> right, and, and so forth, and on and on and on. <laughs> Too true. Check it all out. Get paid to edit and get your podcast edited over at editorcore.com. The Agents of Shield podcast. As you guys listen to this, a new season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has launched, and man, it's spectacular. For those that haven't been paying attention, Marvel has launched not only a a cavalcade of great films on the silver screen, Mm -hmm. but they also have an outstanding series called The Inhumans. Just kidding. No, I was going to say, wait a minute. was terrible. Yeah. Uh, But what is excellent, and has been excellent consistently for now almost four complete seasons, is The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC slash Hulu Streaming. For those of you that have not jumped on, a great place to go and catch up is the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. It's the complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC. Check that out right now over at agentsofshield.tv for really some of the best dialogue, not only about what you see on the television program, but how you are effectively spending your time and learning more about quality television and why it's quality television. During the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Agentsofshield.tv 
enough of paying the bills and spreading the butter around the network. It's time for the Two Guys Talking Star Wars Perspective Review of 1980's The Empire Strikes Back, directed by Irving Kirshner. The hype! My goodness. You talk about the original onset of hype for just about anything. Mm -hmm. And I think, unless I'm mistaken, guys, that this was when real hype started. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. There, there were a lot of other things going on. In, this was in the Beatles movies, of movies, right? I mean, just it, just the uh, pandemonium. Yes, absolutely. I mean, just insane. Yeah. yeah. People went bananas. Yeah. Well, not only for anticipation of it, but also just that it's finally here. Right. There was still no internet to speak of. Right. There was anything public. But, yeah, what a wait. I mean, it was – and i I, I got to tell you guys, too <clears> – <throat> I'm probably the oldest of the three here. I was nine uh, years old and having to wait. Just to confirm, Chief, having you to, are. Having it to is wait, definitely true. You know, three years, having to wait three years mm-hmm. was a long time mm-hmm. when you were nine years old. <clears throat> now, yeah. Pat was what? Were you ten? I'd have been nine for Empire, yeah. Okay. Yeah, this was extraordinary. And I think what I really appreciated was the imagery that was conjured inside of the poster set series for this movie. Uh, for those of you that haven't paid attention to any of the posters of the art that's done for Star Wars, it really is something immaculate. And I have a line on us interviewing Mark Ratz. Do you guys know who Mark Ratz is? Mm-mm. He's one of the telltale poster creators of the last half century. I did see that. Huh? And, you did show me that. Yeah. yeah and, and it, excellent. His, his art is excellent. Just amazing. We're, we're going to be able to have him on, if I'm not mistaken, for the third leg of this three-part series. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic. He he is in uh, Australia, mm-hmm. so you've got to jog and make the schedules work. But I can't wait to interview him because he's got not only just such a knowledge of Star Wars in general, mm-hmm. because he too was a fan, right. but he's got all these kick-ass stories mm-hmm. about Star Wars fans, about Star Wars-based business, but more importantly, Star Wars-based art. Right. That is absolutely exquisite. Look for more detail about that. Where did you see this movie, Chris? In the theater. I, I can't tell you exactly which theater I saw it was, in. But is it a secret you can't tell us? Or? It was, uh, well, I don't like to reveal a lot to you, Mike. You know how that <laughs> yeah. goes. Yeah, it was in the theater. The the address of the theater Chris saw it in is his password now. It, it, it is. It is. And uh, the theater is probably not standing any longer, so mm. I know who knows. Where but, was it? Was it here? <clears throat> it was here. It was uh, here in the... St. Louis area, okay. somewhere. All right, and as the first movie was, it, mm-hmm. it was just outstanding and amazing as a kid in the theater. I think I lied about my age too, about what well, uh, what how old I was. Pat said he was nine in uh, when this movie came out. Was that true? That's, that's accurate. Okay, yeah. no, okay. So I was twelve when it came yeah. out. All right. So were I didn't you a mature twelve year old? Did you had you already lost your golden locks or not? At twelve, I knew everything, <laughs> absolutely everything. So, and as my mother had said, so what's changed between twelve and now? Nothing. <laughs> so, that's awesome. Anyway, Pat, where did you see this film? I saw it in a theater too. It's it had to have been somewhere in the St. Louis area. I'm like, I guarantee that movie theater probably no longer exists. Really? Yeah. I mean, okay. it had to have been. I'm thinking. Was it out this way or was it in the city? I, did you grow up? Well, out I this grew way? up. I grew up in. I grew up in a small town with cows and whatnot, but no. So it, it, I saw it on the side of the barn. No, I, it no. had to have been. It, I don't think there was any movie theaters in St. Charles County. When mm. I, it had to have been somewhere That's what I'm trying County. to figure out, too. It, it, I, mean, I grew up out here in, in the St. Peter's area, and I'm not sure if there were movie theaters, theaters out here. Back it was in very the, rural. Yeah, back in the early late 70s, early 80s, I, I can't remember a movie well, theater out here. One of my co-hosts that does a lot of other reviews with me, his name is David Crete, and he mm-hmm. did um, not only the True Blood reviews with us, but he's done a variety of other Marvel 
pictures and all kinds of stuff. And he t- always talks about the St. Charles 18 Cine mm-hmm. right. uh, up there off of Highway 94 and St. Charles proper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he talks about that, like, forever. And it just has continued to grow and get more theaters and space. And back, back in that day, I think <clears throat> it would have been, it probably would have been at a mall, one of the malls that they had the movie mm-hmm. theaters at. Mm-hmm. It was one of the older malls. It was probably down there in St. Louis County somewhere where, where I had seen it, and probably most likely where yeah, Pat had seen it, because there wasn't anything out this Interesting. Way. It's funny that you mentioned malls, because I, too, saw this in a mall. It was mm-hmm. seen in the exact same mall as the original Star Wars, Woodfield Mall, mm-hmm. which back then was the world's largest indoor mall, where you could go and see indoor car dealerships and all kinds hmm. of stuff that was just crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and it still stands today. I don't know what it looks like, and I don't know if it's grown or if it's you know a ghost town like most of our malls are out by us. Right. But that's where I saw it, and it was singularly imposing, mostly because when you can have a line that stretches almost around an entire mall, oh yeah, you know something's going right. on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, it's impressive. And that's where we ask you guys, where did you guys see this movie? The, uh, the sequel to Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, 1980, directed by Irving Kirshner. Let us know where you saw this movie by going to our website over at twoguystalkingstarwars.com. Click on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and let us know what you think. You can also go and check us out over on uh, Facebook. In fact, that's probably a better place to talk about it, because you can link back to your city and the what used to be inside your town mm-hmm. uh, pages that they've now made for, I think, just about every town in America. Right. Yeah. Ah, Mike Wilkerson's favorite segment inside of just about every single perspective review we have. Not, of course, because I like money, but because of the guesses that we get from the co-hosts. This one will follow suit, I have a feeling, unless, of course, Pat's cheated again. Mm -hmm. But let's give it a shot. We're looking for the domestic number for this film that's going to be from then to now... And Chris, your number is seven hundred fifty million. Seven hundred fifty million, Pat. What do you got? I'm gonna go six hundred. Six hundred million for Pat. I'm gonna guess about two hundred ninety million dollars. Oh, look, Mike Wilkerson is exactly right. Wow, that's amazing. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> it's not two hundred ninety million even. It, no, but it's okay, just so you're wrong. Just a hair over. Wow. It, it, it's it's two hundred ninety <clears throat> million plus Chris. Plus Chris's salary. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. That's about right. Right. So it's uh, $290,000, $475,067. Okay. Wow. That's more accurate. Uh, yeah. Guys, that's a ton of money. The, the money that this movie has made since 1980 is just now, is that, that's, that's okay, the money. Mo- that's the amount made all the way up to today? It, yeah. Mm-hmm. That seems okay. low, though, for some reason. It seems know. low because you're comparing it to modern-day movies. Well, and modern-day money and the ability to show on, what is it now, when a movie launches, oh, right. when it's in big theaters? If you, In fact, you know what they've done now? They've done it where they will actually take two theaters and bounce the movies off of movie theaters inside of the same chain stuffs mm-hmm. to give them more <laughs> playable theaters at the same time. Hmm. That gets really, really cool, except when you go, oh, look, the schedule says that we can go on Wednesday night at whatever o'clock to go and see the movie. And you get there, and they've changed the schedule, so you can't go on Wednesday night at whatever hmm. o'clock. So I, I don't care for that, and it's only one theater chain that does that locally, so I don't mind that. Uh, but, I mean, it was huge. The number of theaters it was released in originally. Oh, here, let's grab the foreign take, too. Foreign take for this film from then to now, Chris? Does that include the domestic? 
No, it does not. It's just the foreign take. Foreign take, mm-hmm. I'll say $150 million. $150 million, Pat? I'd say 175 175 you're both way low this time. Really? The mm-hmm. total is not quite what it made here in the States, but it's $247 million, uh, mm-hmm. $248 million, really. Okay. And that's a total worldwide <clears throat> grab of $538,375,000, mm-hmm. which, again, is staggering. Half a billion dollars since 1980 is a lot of money, yeah. especially considering that back then, I don't know what a movie ticket cost, but it, it was amazing. The opening weekend looks like it was $4 million, almost $5 million, so yeah. it, it was huge. Uh, we don't have the average cost of tickets back then, and I, again, I was young enough that it didn't, it didn't matter. I just gave people money. Right. To get in and go see movies, I don't even remember what the costs were back then. Right. Uh, but that is just a giant corn combine of cash that continues to rake it in. And I'm telling you, this is another one of those films, just like Raiders, one of yeah. the local theater chains recently released and continues to release these classic movies. And when I go, the places are packed. Well, sure they are. There is nowhere to sit if you don't get there early. And I love that. I love to see the nostalgia Go and grab the interest levels of people that are young and old. Well, it's so awesome because I get to spill all that nostalgia right. and that 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 awesomeness onto someone like my daughter. Right, and they'll come out with new creative ways to watch that in mm-hmm. the uh, 360 degree. Uh, what do they call it? Big screen down at the, uh, oh, the science om- center. The and Omnimax. The Omnimax. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will. Uh, they'll bundle it with maybe a couple of movies over the course of a series of weekends. Right. They'll have the. They uh, that with the Raiders. Series. They'll have the St. Louis Symphony play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And show the movie. That yeah, that's extraordinary. I think yeah. I, we may have talked about this during another podcast, but I went and saw <clears throat> Lord of the Rings in Indiana like that. Mm-hmm. That was the first place that I remember them seeing that they were doing that, where you get the entire. I, I guess have, there it's the the Indianapolis Philharmonic. Right. And it's extraordinary. I've never seen it, but I've heard it's pretty really cool. cool. It's extraordinary. It's booming, bombastic, just absolutely enthralling. What they also had, they've done it here in St. Louis several times, and I have not done it. But they bring the uh, the music of John Williams, or they actually just have the Star Wars films that come through. Right. And that live with the stuff on the screen, man, I've got to get to that before it's all over. Right. It's great stuff. And that's actually where we ask you guys, what do you think about The Empire Strikes Back making half a billion dollars from then until now? Tell us what you think by going over to our Facebook presence. Again, you can find that over at facebook.com forward slash two guys talking Star Wars, or you can just put in two guys talking Star Wars inside the search field and you'll find us. So you can tell us what you think of the money from Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. The good. I, I know we only plot out three hours for this show, so we better get started. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> every, every film that we watch without mentioning Justice League, has goods, Mm -hmm, and we have a cavalcade of stuff to talk about inside this one. Chris, why don't you start? Let's just start out with some of the nostalgic things. Right at the beginning, I don't know about you guys, but because I was a kid watching this movie and the previous Star Wars movie, Mm -hmm. every time I see the 20th Century Fox logo that Mm -hmm. comes up, I anticipate that Star Wars theme starting... Right after, right. right after that logo, yes, and s- that's that's exactly what I expect. Yeah, yeah. They, to this day, no matter what film uh, it is, from whatever genre it is, right. it, it, especially when I uh, throw in a, an old school DVD or something, right, uh, it is amazing how that is all tied and tethered together in your brain. Right, and just jumping from that to the first scene, they have that that Star Wars brand where the signature opening scene 
is that classic space view with the Star Destroyer, and this one starts out with the the probe that they shoot out. Mm -hmm. But it's something that they've branded, that they've developed, and you expect it. Yeah. And this this movie is no different. It does not let you down. I think that, that it was the point at which it became part of their brand. I had forgotten the how right. yeah. I had forgotten how ingrained that was until I watched the recent Force Awakens again. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And it is. It's it's super impactful there just as it was back then for this. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. A world of ice. How about a world of ice? How about it? I, I know in the in the intro I'd mentioned that I grew up in the Chicago area right. and then in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, uh, the original Star Wars came out in 1977, 1977 was the year that for weeks, mm-hmm. my mom and I had to walk to school with a toboggan. Jeez. Wow. Because we, it was like the, the 10 feet, 12 feet of snow right. weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was, and that's in a city that is prepared for that stuff. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just, it was an ungodly thing. And right. so when I, I remember specifically that some of Hoth was going to be, you know, winter covered mm-hmm. battle that was all ensnared in snow. That's all I could ever think of any time that we went out after school and mm-hmm. there was snow on the ground was, okay, well, it's right. time to relive the Hoth battle. Yeah, and that's right. exactly what I had. Every time I think of <laughs> snow, it's like, oh, Hoth. You know, it was the easiest one to – I mean, totally, you can't totally. recreate really, you know, yeah. Tatooine or yeah. – but, you know, but Hoth. Yeah. Anytime it snows, you can go out and, oh, it's Hoth yeah. and get, well, your, get your action figures out. And, yeah, well, watching uh, T- Chewbacca's breath – Right. right, as that whole showdown with the probe goes down. I mean, you can you can do that any time that it's cold. That's well, let's awesome. let's break that down too. Yeah. The the visual the visual that white bright screen. I mean, it lit up everything. But mm-hmm. the visual where they they bring in the hero, mm-hmm. you know, they got Luke Skywalker coming yep. out, his uh, his return from the debut movie, riding the uh, riding the creature. You know, that was another classic Taunt-taunt. Star Wars yeah. signature. Thing is, these new creatures, yep. these tom on, on a poster someplace. It, right, exactly. Right, yeah. Yeah. And Mark Ratz has made that too. And how they they pace that that opening scene, mm-hmm. you know, with the, the the eventually the Imperial probe coming down, and then right away you get into the action. You know, the, the snow beast knocks him off the tauntaun, and right away you're not Smell disappointed. Girl? You're not disappointed. Right. Right. Yeah. You're yeah. not disappointed. The base. So back at the base, we've got Han Solo. We've got a deeper characterization, I think, oh, totally. of totally. starting out with Han Solo yeah. and Leia. I mean, let's face it. You, the first, you, and you the first, is, you bo- and, and the, I hate to interrupt you again, but you both as writers understand that how important any character development is. Absolutely, yeah. it drives all three it's of us crazy. It's what the audience when we, wants. Yeah, it's what drives all three of us crazy when we don't see it in television and movies. And you're just kind of and left character with, you don't care about. Right. Right. Yep. Not only that you don't care about, but like, look, it's the exact same guy, even though right. it's it's three right. years later. Yep, I, that drives everybody insane. And you're absolutely right on the the profile picture. You know, but I think that they they start this out right away with this characterization, a little mm-hmm. bit deeper oh, characterization, yeah. and it kind of flushes out the acting skills. Of Harrison Ford. Yes. I mean, we see that right off the bat. Mm-hmm. We have two people that they they want to paint as attaining a lot of pride, a little bit of arrogance, and this relationship that they're developing, this kind of love-hate relationship that they're developing. Let's face it, from the first movie, you wanted to see this. You wanted to see how this developed and how this panned out. And right away, they get into it. So I, I liked this scene. I liked how they depicted... The characters and the prioritization. You know, you see Han Solo, and there's this thing between him and Leia. But 
what's important to him, mm-hmm. his friends, mm-hmm. loyalty to his friends. They loyalty jump right into loyalty yeah. above all else. Yeah, I agree with that. And <clears throat> he's willing to go out. He's not willing to do really too much for her or their relationship. Mm-hmm. But if he's got to go out and die for one of his friends, he's going to do it. Yeah. Right. And as he said, you know, as the as he says, as he's riding out, uh, you know, the guy says, you'll freeze to death or your tauntaun will freeze to death before you get past, what, the first marker yeah, or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. I'll see you in hell. Mm-hmm. Which, which and put, on his way out. Great, great dialogue, great writing, great pacing. And to the point. <clears throat> and right. to the point. I, I love that, too, about just about everything inside <clears throat> this movie. And we're going to hit it a lot. Guys. And he is, and he pulls it off. Yeah. I mean, Harrison Ford, I mean, let's face it, he's one of the premier actors yeah. of, well, of all times, if, I think. If I'm not mistaken, and our guru, super-duper thumb-typer can search this out while I'm talking about it, the movie Witness. Right. Stop what you're – you can even stop this podcast – Stop yeah. the podcast yeah, and incredible. go watch Witness. Yeah. Not only is it an excellent, excellent film, it's something we've never put through the cone of whatcopswatch.com, but mm-hmm. we should. Sure. So it was five years later. Oh, was it 85? Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was later. But, okay. But, uh, anyway, the, the, the depth of acting, that movie is what solidified Harrison oh, yeah. Ford for me then, yeah. not Blade Runner. Well, yeah, right, so, right. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, and, and in Witness you can clearly see that there was definite – portrayal of great acting skill mm-hmm. yeah. I, I do, yeah i do have a question though i'm, I'm yeah. kind of really bent on this tauntaun thing could they not have found a better animal that it's not going to last past the first marker and they, I, mean, I don't know and it was a, it was a particularly cold night and here's the it, thing it, the tauntaun dies before han solo could even get off of it i mean what kind of animal is that it can't even withstand the han cold. has the burning love of princess leia in that's him. why his that's why yeah, alive the not so much with that over. i think he's just yeah you know, i think they could have yeah I mean, he's liquored up i, I get it <coughs> it's, it's the rebels and his you know blood, you know is just, just they can surround whatever and they just happen to find the worst <laughs> animal there is on the planet to ride i mean come maybe on, it's really? the only maybe it's the only animal they got man i guess it's a frozen tundra man what do you want good grief that's awesome Pat, it's funny that you mentioned the, the Tauntaun, because something we half, half, have to talk about. All right. So jumping back to the scene where Luke is unconscious in mm-hmm. the cave. Yep. Hanging upside down. They've added, occasionally they add scenes to the originals, and right. sometimes I don't like that. This particular scene I liked. Yeah. They gave us a good shot, because you never really got a good shot of that snow beast. Mm-hmm. It was kind of up close. In the, in the original, right? In the original, right. you know, knocking the Tauntaun down, it, it's dragging called, it off. It's called the Wampa. That's right. It is the Wampa Monster. It's the Wampa. Wampa. There we go. There we go. I was going to let Pat, the super Star Wars guru, tell us what it was called, but so, I guess so I'll step in. So the Wampa yeah. knocks, the, knocks the Tauntaun down, drags him off, drags Luke off for a mm-hmm. snack later, right. sticks him up in the ceiling. Anyway, you get a good shot of what this thing looks like and how it's gnawing on this Tauntaun carcass or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. I liked it. I liked the added scene in here. I don't think they overdid it. I think it flowed smooth with the original movie where yeah, the force. they right. yeah yep. where you, you've got that anticipation that that anxiety he's trying to get that lightsaber free and it's quick it is right. it is absolutely they don't overdo quick. It. it it's something I didn't realize un- until I watched this again that the it, it's not brevity brevity is not the right word either it's it's like a think of the most excellent firecracker you've ever seen mm-hmm. and that's what this movie is right every single scene right. It is the most excellent firecracker that, in this case, the firecracker includes a dead tauntaun, a tauntaun leg, the wampa, Luke hanging upside down, a lightsaber, and an inside of a snow cave. Right. right. All the, in one the firecracker. package in a short <laughs> scene. And the added lopping off of an arm. Oh, yes. You can't right. forget yes. the Star Wars lopping off an arm. Yeah. Right. Come on. Yeah. Well, and then actually showing it. Right. Closing the shield doors. 
I got to tell you, Mike Wilkerson, from working in law enforcement for 26 years and being in you know holdover areas, there is a distinct sound of closing one of those heavy steel doors, mm-hmm. and it's kind of an intimidating sound. Oh, sure. And in this movie, that's what they focus the end of that scene around. They they focus. Well, I I shouldn't say the end of the scene. The highlight of that scene. Mm-hmm. It's the crescendo of that. It's for a. Sure, yeah. It's a statement without any words being said. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, there's a sound, though, and I'll bet you that while you probably close the station doors and it makes the sound, Pat's probably over in the corner making the Chewbacca right. sound, right? Yeah, the and the way that they Chewbacca put that together, cry. the pacing that they did, <laughs> the structure that they did with that scene was outstanding. Yeah. They had the lead-up, the sound of the base doors closing, mm-hmm. but the lead-up of C-3PO throwing out the odds of survival the inevitable doom and death, this great drama and pacing, and then bang, the doors slam together, and you get this cry from Chewbacca. And it was great. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. just, it's it was tremendous. a great scene, the way that they wrote that out, the way that they paced it, yeah. and the way they pulled it off. It's tremendous. And I know we, we've talked about sequential storytelling in a variety of different things that we've done via what copswatch.com and two mm-hmm. guys talking. And what this reminds me of is very much the... Do you guys remember the second Toy Story film? Story right. Toy, Toy yeah. Story 2? Yeah, right. Okay, well, in there, there is a depiction of exactly what this is, but it's done in Toy Story 2 terms. Mm-hmm. It's after they meet Jesse, mm-hmm. and they suddenly find this cachet of videotapes that are the old shows... And they have Woody and Woody's horse riding off the edge of a cliff, and we'll be back next week. Right. That's also what's inside of. I I, I don't I, the the transition into that style of storytelling throughout all of these movies mm-hmm. is something I would love to count. Right. Because it's so incredibly effective, and this is one of those. Yeah, right. My God, what's going to happen? No, wait a minute. We can't close the doors because no, what? Wait a minute. The doors are closed. Right. Right. Now what? Well, I, I love that. I, love I didn't that. have time to stop. Worrying about, right. I just got through the the Wampa scene, <laughs> right? And now there's another peril that's pending. Yeah, and they it, keep throwing it at. You. It reminds me of the movie version of a Jenga game, right? Where you yank out a piece and then you stack it on top, and, and you know you it's going to fall. Right. Absolutely, right. Yep. absolutely, yeah. So the doors close. Uh-huh. We fast forward to a scene. Mm-hmm. Now I need to reach out to everybody mm-hmm. in the audience who yep. is a Star Wars guru because mm-hmm. I'm not. Yeah, and Pat's not nearly the one we need to answer not, the question. Pat so. is not, not qualified. But I guess we'll have to lean on Pat. He's the only one we have here. <laughs> yeah. But let's reach out to the audience, too. Is this the only time that Han Solo ever used a lightsaber? I believe it is. Wow. Is this the only Pretty time? I'm sure it is. And uh-huh. actually, like we were I talking wonder, about. Is there another but, tool but that's they referred were, to? They were, they were talking about, um, we were talking about those baseball cards. And yeah. one of the ones was they showed. You know, you have Hansel with the lightsaber, and it's just, whoa, what's he doing with the lightsaber? Is, now, is he a Jedi, too? I mean, it just makes you wonder, and why does well, he get the lightsaber? No, you know what it is? It's He had to have it in hand because he had it in the movie. Right. Okay, right. so he's yeah. not a Jedi. He's just right. a, no. a yeah. dude, dude like cutting I said, up a steak. Yep. But and everybody he was, had to have the tauntaun. Did you not have the tauntaun that you could open its yeah. belly and stick the figure and, inside? And show the figure oh, inside? Oh, awesome. yeah. And he was... And you could make the... Yeah. He was so, adamant yeah. about... Yeah. He didn't believe in those things. Right. A good blaster was where it was at. Right. So... Blaster would have worked too, but so this was. I think this was a uh, a monumental scene. He's using the lightsaber. He cuts open the tauntaun. He's going to save his best friend's life. And I got to tell you, at twelve years old, the line "I thought they smelled bad on the outside," I thought was hilarious. Oh yeah, at twelve. 
yeah. laugh myself right off the seat. I think what I loved about it was like, I think all of us at that age wonder what is actually inside of something. You know, you walk up the road, right. and you and go, what sudden, the hell is that? You mm. just see the guts just yeah. spew just out. <laughs> yeah, amazing. You can almost smell it yourself just yeah. sitting in the theater. You know, you're like, oh. It's true. And it, there's at least half the theater going, ew. Remember that. Remember that, right. too. Yeah. Dawn on Hoth. I love the next morning when everything's dark, the prior scene, and then all of a sudden it's light. Mm-hmm. You have this you have this amazing scene. The vantage point that you get to enjoy it from is at whatever it is, a million miles an hour right. from the these cockpit. snow speeders. Right. Yeah. And yeah. along with the musical accompaniment here. Right. Yeah. That's the musical makes accompaniment. The pacing, really yeah. makes the pacing it, yeah. that just says, Mike Wilkerson, speed your heart up a little bit faster. The rescue thereafter. But it was another one of those great scenes, I think. Just great visuals and classic Star Wars. Because back at the time Visual effects are not what they are today. No, oh, no, no. And to pull that off back then, it must have taken a lot of time and energy. Yeah. And I've got to tip my hat to them. Oh, totally. It's still something that I watch today, mm-hmm. and I'm amazed by the visual. Right. Yeah, we'll link up some of the video, too, of the before and afters that you can watch tandem. And it is stark. It It is amazing how much work went into not only the refits, but some of the later on stuffs to clean all of this up. Because for those of you that don't, know or don't remember the concept of blue screen mm-hmm. was absolutely used back then but very often the blue screen would not work when you were using on say a white surface that cannot possibly reflect off of something appropriately to give you what you need inside a blue screen so all of this all of it had to be retouched inside of that original 97 update but then it had also been tweaked as the years went by as well and it is it is spectacular what i also love is it's a it's what i love about so many steven spielberg movies it's submersion therapy none of you have been in the military right no okay so none of us have served a day inside of any military anything Mm -hmm. now you guys have approximated some training that incorporates some military stuff so you're going to have way more on me but if all of us needed to get onto a track where we're hunting for people that matter, mm-hmm. well, we already did it. Mm-hmm. You were 12, I was 10, and Pat was 9. We've already been there. Right. And it's because of the submersion therapy that a movie like this gives you. And that's why I'm in love with all these nostalgic films and why I love getting with you guys to talk about them. Right. It instantly allows me to go back and dip my feet into the nostalgic waters that I love swimming in. And I have to mention, too, I don't know if you guys notice this and maybe i'm just i don't know late to the party here but <laughs> the call sign of that speeder was rogue two mm-hmm. and i didn't know that i didn't notice that until i watched this again for the four thousandth time to review during this podcast so rogue two as we reviewed rogue one mm-hmm. right is that where this sparked from is that where the is that where the is that where I don't think so. No? I think I think you don't Rogue think One. A connection? No, I don't. I, I think uh, I, I think it sounds cool. Yeah. Well, there was the Rogue Squadron also. Yeah. So I don't know what. And is there I, anything? Let's let's transfer over to Pat, the uh, Star Wars guru. Is there anything the Rogue Squadron and such? Is there a lot of lore? Oh yeah. Uh, a lot of books about. There's tons of books on the Rogue Squadron. Okay. Wedge Antilles is like one of the big Rogue okay. Squadron guys. Okay. I think he's in. Isn't he one of the guys in the? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The snow speeder. Yeah. So yeah. 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 Well, in fact, there was a. There's at least one game that I remember. Rogue Squad. Maybe the. Yeah. Oh, that one. But then yeah. also the the very first release of 
uh, Battlefront also had uh, yeah, you're right. Snow yeah. speeder playability, right. and I mean it was excellent. It's like where I just want to play the game. I don't care about anything else. I just want to get in a snow speeder and right. fly around and File a shoot the hell out of them. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. And, and on the Empire the side, you could get into the uh, into walkers. the walkers. Right. Walker, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking cool. of walkers, Pat's got a little tidbit that he shared in the prelude. I think. Oh yeah. So here. I've always I've always wanted to acquire a walker, but you know, mm-hmm. full size. They're a little. <laughs> Chris they're, authorized yeah. the budget that's inside right. the department, so right. it's good to so go. When you see one just walking through Lake St. Louis, don't be alarmed. <laughs> it's just me. We're, we're, in, a, we're in a time when people want to demilitarize the police. <laughs> uh, Pat wants to put them in right. the uh, in, yeah, in the walker. I mean, yeah, come on. Sure. What? <laughs> a little intimidating, but you know, people get used to it. Kids will come around. So it'll be great. I suppose the one to one didn't go over in the budget committee. So what did no, you get right. instead? No, I got a, a a little scaled down size, but it is the action figure size, yeah. a three and three quarter action figure size yeah. walker. So it's, it's pretty awesome. Cool. That's very cool. And what can, I also love from this the series that they released with this, it actually was intent on being a cargo carrying right uh, at at right, yeah. which means there's like a is there a little box that you can take out of it and oh, put yeah. stuff into it? Okay, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, and Pat's going to bring that in for a super awesome demo. We'll we'll shoot some video when he brings it in, and I'll post that to the website sure. too. That that's very cool. And I I remember seeing a short video on YouTube when that came out. What that would have been for Rogue One, so right, yeah. a little over a year ago. Yeah. Uh, amazing stuff. And another total nod to nostalgia. All of you idiots that are the same age as we are. Guess what you guys wanted when you were our age? You wanted the ad at that you right. could go and buy oh, yeah. and didn't get. So I still yeah. want it. Of course yeah, what you, are you do. Talking about? Right. All you got to do is confiscate Pat's now. You right. can actually right. even order him to give it to you. How right. cool is we that? We could do that. Awesome. Yeah, we can do that. Awesome. For free. <laughs> the Empire knows we're here, Mike Wilkerson. <gasps> right. And uh, the, there's something else that we didn't really paint up until this point, and it's the the expanding tension portrayed by every single moving scene from the beginning of the original raid where everybody's getting into place until now where they go, the uh, the Empire's under the building. Empire's under the... And, That's because and they came out of every actor too early. that they have in this too. I mean, they, they the way that they portray that, they don't, they don't skimp on the details. This whole film is tension all the way through, yeah. and I think that's why it keeps you on the edge of your seat, and oh, I yeah. think that's why the pacing is so Excellent, good yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. In it. Yeah, I agree. But the scene that they sh- they shift to is, I believe, the space scene where the, you see you get an overall view of Vader's ship. And did Which we? It's called the Executioner. The, is it called the Executioner the or the executioner. executor? I think it's the Executioner. Okay, we'll go with Pat. Hold on, he's I, the expert. I he's going to go look it up. <laughs> okay, no. fact check that. I think it is the Executioner. But if are you, you going to pull open the the Pat Facts app? If, what yes, are you going to? Okay, just Star check Wars it. for if, me. If you thought the regular. Star Destroyer was big. This thing is massive. It's Huge. like a triangular city. Yeah. And uh, there's uh, inside of the, some of this. I remember after uh, we finished out our Star Wars review that weekend, I sat down with my daughter and we sat and watched the entire series of special feature arrays inside of the Empire Strikes Back Blu-ray presentation. Mm-hmm. It is stellar. Yeah. The only thing that's more stellar is the commentary that's provided on that disc. Mm -hmm. Those of you that have not partaken, you really do need to take the time and listen to all the commentaries, Mm -hmm. even of those incredibly bad prequel movies by George Lucas and the crew that make those films. Mm -hmm. Because those will will help you understand what they were trying to do Mm -hmm. and many of the intents that were there but that just weren't realistically pulled off. This is saying it's the Executioner. 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 Got it. Okay. Okay. Got it. 
Thank you for the clarification. Yeah, no problem. Perfect. So, Pat, what do you think about that choking scene? We know now the Empire knows. Probably look like well, work. The Rebels it, know the Empire's here, but the Rebels also know the Empire's there because of old Admiral Ozzel, I believe, mm-hmm. came out of hyperspace too early. And, oh, you know, wah, wah, not a good wah. thing to do if you're underneath, you know, Lord Darth Vader is yeah. to mess up. Yeah. Well, what, they, what happens? You, you get demoted, right? Well, you don't get demoted. You get force choked. <laughs> the guy below you gets promoted, which I'm not sure that guy was real happy about no, since he was standing right next to the guy who just got force that choked. That might yeah. be what we have to do with Pat just when force, he screws up the budget. Force choke. <laughs> force choke. It, it may work. Yeah. And and then there would be someone else that's promoted. Awesome. Right, right next to Promotion Pat. from right, within. Right, right. Promotion from Without within. great. Isn't it funny how that's kind of become just kind of the offhanded, backhanded joke Mm-hmm. You know, uh, dude, don't screw up, okay? Well, what do you mean? Oh. Right. Right. Isn't that, isn't that funny? That, and, that's very funny. And you expect it. Right? Absolutely it, it, you expect it. I mean, it's only How been one. There's, only, until that there's only been done. one film, and the audience already, you know, a film and a half in, right. already expects Vader to choke somebody out. Right. Well, and they, so. they actually go back to that inside of Rogue One to visit that. <laughs> right, where yeah. that, that even happens mm-hmm. to that guy, Krennic. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The Ion Cannon. Tell me about that, Pat. What is that? I'm not real sure. I don't really understand the whole ion. So I'm still. So they're the shield generator. They're, they're trying to bring down the empire. So what is the shield generator doing? Is it protecting the? We're gonna planet? have to get it. We're gonna have to get so into I'm, that. I'm yeah, not thinking it's protecting the planet because then how the how do they get no. the walkers it's, down? No, right. it's protecting the base. It's just protecting it's the base. It's just protecting the base. Okay, right. right. There's a shield over the base. Okay. So the ion cannon, from my understanding, is not a cannon that actually shoots a laser blast that destroys like, it's anything. Almost like an M- it nullifies all right. electrical effects. Right. Like so if you go whatever they call if you go back and watch that scene, what happens is they're trying to clear a path for the cargo ships right. and some of their transports to get out, it hits those star destroyers and, and shuts, shuts off the all their right. all their power so right. they can't fire they can't weapons, fire weapons. Right. Through. Interesting. Okay. So I'll buy that. If you go back and you watch it, they do a good job with the effect. That laser blast right. or that ion cannon yeah. blast goes up into the atmosphere, mm-hmm. it hits that star destroyer. And the sound. And they trickle out that electricity over the entire right. ship. Mm-hmm. And it looks pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So not, I, not only that, the sound that it that they've chosen to use as the ion cannon, it's extraordinary. Right. It, it just like everything else that Ben Burt touches, it's gold. And they Absolutely don't gold. they don't skimp on the details again. They could have left that as a regular laser blast, but they right. don't. Mm-hmm. Good show. Yeah. The Imperial Assault on Hoth. This this is one of those scenes that. I'll never forget from the movie. This was one of the most impressive scenes mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Was those Imperial walkers mm-hmm. coming over the hill? in the middle of all that snow. And at first you saw him on this vague, hazy-looking screen. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time you saw him, and you're thinking, what? what is that? Mm-hmm. A new right. piece of technology, a new piece of equipment, a new horrible, terrible war machine that the Empire has, and they didn't disappoint. They came over the hill, followed that up with the, uh, the snow troopers, which is a new look, right? A new mm-hmm. look for the right. stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. And they were uh, highly coveted action figures, Pat. No, oh, yeah, still definitely. got them. Oh, yeah, still got definitely. mine with the capes you, got yep. and, the, and the, the weapons. The first ones you had to get was when you saw the snow trooper. You had to get the snow trooper, and uh, you had to get the one huh? with the cannon. Yes, right. Then you were really then you had your right, game on. Right. Yeah. That was just an outstanding scene. What, what, it, uh, to me, you know, as a kid, I loved dinosaurs, and to me, it was this huge walking metal dinosaur, right? yeah. dinosaur yeah. with guns. Yeah. What's better than that? Yeah, uh, very few things are better than that. And, and we were talking about it earlier. It just seemed like, for some reason, I thought this this was like one of the longest battle scenes. You're just thinking when we remember Hoth, like, oh, it was like this long battle. And when you really look back, it's not very long at all. It's really pretty <laughs> yeah. short. It's 
really yeah. pretty short in the movie, but it just yeah. felt like it was an epic battle. Yeah. And there were so it many just things went to on, take in. You know? I think. Right? Yeah. Isn't, isn't it funny? So many visuals. I, I, I know you guys like history, but I don't think you guys are steeped in history because I know I'm not. Right. But isn't it funny that when we read about classic battles, in particular like the ones not in the Civil War, but especially now modern battles, right. mm-hmm. where they're not very long at all. Oh, right? no. Yeah. They can last from between minutes to a series of hours. Yeah. And it's all advanced and technology. It, it's beyond advanced technology. And what, I think what I really loved about this, I don't remember a movie before this where it would give you... I remember movies that would give you the cone of a series of binoculars, yeah. but I don't remember a movie before this one where it would give you a series of binoculars where it would have the digital readouts on the binoculars. Right. But then it would also give you like that you're zooming into the wrong right. place. Yeah. And then as you zoom it back out, you suddenly realize what the hell you're looking at. Mm-hmm. This was the first time that I remember that. Right. Because they've re-emulated it in just about every single yeah. game that's been made. Mm-hmm. And it's totally intentional. It absolutely evokes back to this moment. Right. And, it's, you know, it's, it's it, awesome to set a precedence throughout this movie. There are so many scenes in this movie, and I think we need to, as we go through, highlight them mm-hmm. that are things that set a precedence to be mentioned, mimicked, even made fun of at times in other movies. Oh, yeah. There's, oh, there's, yeah, definitely. The Star Wars sets a tone throughout this movie, and we'll, we'll get to some of those scenes because I think that it's important to highlight them. How many other times are those used in different movies? From here on out. So mm-hmm. it was not just a trendsetter. It was an entire movement. Yeah. I think it moved It moved the generation back then. I think it continues to move generations. If you look at any of the new games that have been put out, whether oh, yeah. it's just a map or it's a piece of, uh, as we record this, just recently in prelude to the next Star Wars film, they've had something called Battlefront 2 released. Right. And that is the revisit to the land of being, insert, name of whatever the hell you want to play, right. whether it's something on the robot side, whether it's something on the Empire side, or something on the Rebel side. And I, I find it extraordinary that they can jump back to any single one of these people lookalikes, and you are now instantly submerged into this environment that's that's created that right. everybody wishes they could don an outfit and play in. Oh, yeah. Right. If we could stop the podcast right now and go play in one environment that was Star Wars based, oh, hot. which environment is it? Definitely. It's definitively oh, yeah. hot. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not it's not Tatooine. Nope. I think the only thing that might come close for me is that the the final uh, lightsaber battle with Luke and Darth. That like yeah. that environment or in maybe even maybe even the on one the in this one. The carbonite the carbonite room. Yeah. Right. Right. That might be the other one that on I played. City. Yeah, but those that's it. There, yeah. There's nothing else that somebody wants to go and baptize themselves right. in. That's yeah. how impeccable yeah. the memory is for Hoth inside of all yeah, of Yeah, and there were, there were some distinctive settings, like you mentioned, the, the ship setting. There was uh, Tatooine. The desert setting was, was definitely a, uh, a memorable setting with the two suns and such. Yeah. Endor, the jungle setting. But nothing, I don't think, was as visually no. No. attractive as Hoth. Yeah. yeah. Impactful. Totally yeah. impactful, yeah. The evacuation. We've got to get off the base. Luke has a narrow escape where his snow speeder goes down. And again, we see we're on the edge of our seat and the tension ramping up. He's stuck. Right. His gunner behind him is dead. Poor guy. He's, Poor Dak. He's, right. he's, trying, he's trying to get out. And just like the trash compactor, is he going to make it? Here comes the Before foot. Before that foot comes right. down. And just obliterates the yeah. snowspeeder. Yeah. 
and the sound that they chose for the what is essentially the giant servos that are oh, yeah. operating the, awesome. the leg it is just spectacular right for those of you that haven't taken part inside of a really decent sound system at your home you got to do it it, right. it, there's there are a few things then that are better than uh, 7.1 surround sound just jacked inside of a home theater right. with this movie playing. Yeah, right. It is spectacular. It really is awesome. I agree. However, we do we do see how vulnerable these walkers are when a poor <laughs> a poor guy with a lightsaber. And I'm, I'm assuming it's like less than a hand grenade. Oh, and the force. Oh, okay, yeah. So he in force imploded the hand grenade inside the walker, which made it crush its own skull i guess <laughs> right okay right I'll, I'll buy it everything does blow up when it hits the ground yeah right. well and yeah. also from the however inside, the, you know, the, the s- snow speeder could not deflect the armor you know but you know <laughs> we'll just go with the, <laughs> yeah, lightsaber. the lightsaber you know I, I don't know i don't know that i'm not buying it, it. I, 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 i've got to hand it to the to the walkers that they could even hit a speeder frankly right I mean, it's not they like did not they knocked several of them out yeah though. oh yeah they, they huge fairly, yeah yeah Good scene. And progressing forward with the evacuation, I think one of the most epic scenes is the entrance of Darth Vader into the base. Oh, yeah. It's got to be. And that's where you kind of really get to see the snowtroopers is when, you know, they all come running in and you're like, whoa, who are these guys? And then all of a sudden, here comes Vader. Setting up the pseudo MG-42, whatever the hell it's called inside of Star Wars. A different look to the classic stormtrooper and a great look. And and skill set. Yeah. Right. They're not just people that walk around getting shot to death right, every right, day. Right, right, right. It was spectacular. And you, you couple this with the whole empires inside the base, empires in the... Right. It's just, it is spectacular. It's, it, it, it is, again, it's nostalgic invoking so much that I, I just bubble when I think about it. And that's where we, we switch over and we start to talk about The Empire Strikes Back is really a highlight of the villains in this series. And it's the number two, it's the second movie in, oh, uh, yeah, that was made, and it's kind of a highlight of the villains. Oh, yeah, you got the bounty hunters, you got the, the new storm tro- and, snow troopers. And, and speaking mean, yeah. of that, that's where we're going to do our top ten list from ten to one of the most evil and vile villains Ooh. through the Star Wars series. That sounds like fun. And it's movies only. And it's movies only, right. but it's, any, it's any of the villains, mm-hmm. and it's based on... Who is the most evil and vile and vicious villain throughout the entire Star Wars series? So with that, I hope both of you have your lists together. I'm ready. And I hope I can find mine. The top ten most vile and evil villains. What do you got, Mike Wilkerson? Number ten. Remember, the most we're looking for... Evil and vile. Number one being the most evil and vile throughout the entire movie series. I'm going to give the abstract vision of evil and whoops I forgot about those. This is villains. only your tenth now, so don't don't right. overdo it here. So I'm going to go 10. the garbage compactor monster. Oh, All right, yeah. garbage compactor monster. Who Definitely evil, but geez, the dude's just hungry. Come on, man. Yeah, I mean it's not that bad. What do you got? You know, Pat? I was gonna go with something different, but you kinda inspired me on that one. <laughs> I'm gonna go with the Sarlacc. Pit. Oh, that, the Sarlacc pit. Yeah, the Sarlacc, Sarlacc pit. pit. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, come on. It, it ate up Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. How more evil and vile can you be? I mean, that's right Too there. Cool. No, I agree with that. I mean, it's and hey, what kind of what kind of an a hole digests you for a thousand years? Right. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> number great. ten is Orson Krennic in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Right. He was kind of late to the show. Right. I mean, it was a later movie. But right. I mean, he it was actually an earlier movie earlier movie but later in chronological order as far as release goes and he uh, came up with uh, 
you know, the plans with the Death Star to put the Death Star together. So, uh, did yeah. he or was <clears> he just? I I think he was just the project manager, wasn't he? I guess he? they came up with the plans, and he was the one yeah, that. Yeah, he was the general contractor on yeah. it. Right? He was so, the guy who took all the, the credit for it, I believe. He wanted all to take all the credit, right? Yeah. So, anyway, number nine. Number nine, Mike Wilkerson. Who do you got? I'm gonna go with the largest fish in the original episode one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, come on. Everybody's just trying to swim, you know. It's right. Leave a little bit for everybody, and just couldn't deal with it. The Jeez. largest fish. Flush that out for me. Well, sure. Do you not? Do you not remember the the epic awesomeness of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace? Within the little yellow submarine. Was yeah. it not the yellow submarine? I'm not sure. <laughs> it was gold. Oh, where they, where they almost got eaten. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. By four different fish, and finally the, the third okay. biggest one. So you get the, the biggest ones. The, the biggest fish is going to be my number nine. All right. What Definitely. do you got? I'm just going to go with Kylo Ren just because. Oh, I can Kylo see Ren. Just because he killed Han Solo. Kylo Ooh. Ren. Other than that. I, well, he's pretty low on the charts there. He, huh? he hasn't done nothing yet. i got to tell huh? you, let's, he's, he's let's no give fan. Him time. He's let's no give fan, him time. He's no fan inside the tech support circles because that dude can wreck some screens. Oh, right, and yeah. Control right. panels. Yeah. Speaking of that, has anybody seen the kind of a baby, Life huh? skit of yes. Undercover <laughs> Boss with Kylo Ren? <laughs> that is if you've not excellent. seen that, please Google that. Well, we'll, we'll link it on YouTube. Yeah, we'll link it up inside the show The Undercover Boss Kylo Ren, it's worth a viewing. That is totally worth it. And for number... Eight. What do you got, Mike Wilkerson? Well, you didn't we give didn't your number. Nine. What about you? We didn't do. Oh, I don't want to give mine. I, Wait a minute. I, you're not going to give us. I'm any not going to give list? you nine. What kind of no. chip is this? All right, all right. <clears throat> number nine for me is the Trade Federation Viceroy. Oh yes, they were pretty bad. I mean, they were, like know, the whole collective group, the little three guys, or just. I think it was all just one guy. I think it was one guy. It was one guy. And actually, as I had said before. Orson Krennic was the general contractor on the Death Star, but the Trade Federation Viceroy, weren't they the ones that came up with the actual plans? Uh, I don't know. No, I they had remember. no I'm sorry, they had a they had a source that came up with the plans and they were trying to smuggle them out. I, I think the source's code name was Hasbro. Well yeah, that too. Something like that. So that's number ten and number Something nine. Something like that. Number nine for you. Number eight. Number eight, Mike Wilkerson. Who do you got for number eight? Number eight, I've gotta go with the dastardly Wampa from this film. The Wampa? The Wampa. I mean, so far, he, he Mike Wilkerson has gone with all, all animals. He, he wants to chow down on our hero, what, three and a half, four minutes into the movie? What a dick. Oh, I don't know. I'm cutting him some slack. Oh, I don't know. He's Pretty evil. Hungry. He's evil. Go ahead. Hey, what, what kind of just I'm hungry animal mounts somebody in ice in a cave? Dick move. Come on. You know, he probably doesn't he get a lot of food out there. He gets a lot of food. Did you see all the bones in the corner, man? Come on. All right, well, I'm going to go. It's like a cave. I'm going to go with a fet, but it's not Boba. Oh, really? It is his daddy, Django. Oh, Django Fett. Let's think about it. Uh, They made a whole clone army out of this guy. So he had had to been a badass, right? So uber badass. Right. And it definitely more than getting eaten by, you know, a hole in the ground. So he beats out Boba there. So that's why I'm going Django. All right. What kind of an elimination process is there for the becoming the twin of the mega source army? I don't know. But I mean, I want to know how that works. I I think he was just at the right place at the right time. And they were like, hey, what are you doing? Here's twenty bucks. Come on in here, we're he, gonna clone he, you. He's the one that you know came to the ad. Oh, yeah, I heard you were looking for somebody so, to clone. Is it this door here? Right. So my number eight, and to finish this segment out with the first tier of our mm. top villains. All right, is drum roll. Count Dooku. At number eight, Dooku. Fallen from grace, right? Definitely fallen from grace, and probably 
I, I think we can put it in as probably one of the most epic villain portrayals inside the series, too. Mm-hmm. As much as there, we know that there are definitively more evildoers, mm-hmm. his has got to be way up there on the portrayal oh, yeah. part. Right. Yeah. That whole no-holds-barred looking Anakin in the face. Mm-hmm. Man, I love all of that. Yeah. I right. love that. that. And then also seeing his, what is essentially the death stare. When he right. finally gets yeah. knocked down in the end of his life, man, right. it, it is, it's a great portrayal that uh, I'm glad we got to see it. Yeah. Because where else are you going to see Christopher right. Lee in a movie that, oh, well, wait, I guess you can go watch Lord of the Rings films. Right. right. Still, a, <laughs> great good, stuff. Uh, yeah. a good mention. Okay, and that's where we go out to our audience and ask, who are your top picks? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're starting at number 10, 9, and 8. Who do you have on mm-hmm. your list? Mm-hmm. We're looking for the top 10 most evil and vile villains throughout the Star Wars series. Yeah. Please join us over at our Facebook page. Yeah. And let us know let us know what you think. Yeah. Who do you agree with? Do you agree with Mike Wilkerson's array of creatures. evil creatures? Right. Bastards, all of them. Yeah, just horrible. Can't deal with it. Sarah McLaughlin, go away. <laughs> or some of the others <laughs> that we've mentioned. Uh, please join us over at Facebook and let us know. So back into the Empire Strikes Back and back into our evacuation scene and Vader on base. One of the scenes that I love is when they're in the Millennium Falcon and it won't start. The mm-hmm. banter back and forth. Leia says, would it help if I got out and pushed? And Harrison Ford, of course, answers, yeah, it might. And it continues that jovial banter back and forth, but also that relationship building. And I love how they pace that out. Yeah. It's just a little nugget of who they are as people, how they have this love-hate relationship, and I think it's something that the audience wants as this little sidebar story. It's oh, also yeah, sparking right. the relationship. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't, uh, Pat, I don't know your wife well enough, and Chris, I've only met your wife a couple times, but what I know I've got inside of my wife is something that is very Leia-based. Oh, I.e., mm-hmm. definitely. The banter. The, the, the banter and the, it's right. not that, but it, it's it's where there's a there's a play. It's like it's right. like a couple of dogs on the chew toy, on, one on each side. Right. We absolutely have that. And I, I looking back on it now, right. Maybe it is a revelation that this is what helped right. yeah. establish some of that. What right. I want. And you two are just going at it back and forth. Why don't you just admit that you like each other and you know, <laughs> right. Get it yeah. over with. Yeah. And and it yeah. continues as we go on. We see that this scene evolves. Luke takes off to Dagobah. Han and Leia are running from the Empire, and they enter this asteroid field. But well, let's go back to now. Now let's go back. The, the Empire had the blockade of the planet, correct? Yes. How does well, everybody get out? Hold on, we're gonna let's save how, that how for the bads. <laughs> it's magic. We'll save that for the bads. It's, it's movie magic. All right, pause, press pause on Bad. that. Like I said, as we go on with the scene, Han and Leia are running from the Empire. Luke's taken off to Dagobah, and they get to they they split these two major loops. These these the split in the plot. And as I've told you before, Mike Wilkerson, one of the things that I look for in great writing is can you open loops and close them? Mm-hmm. And the writers of The Empire Strikes Back aren't afraid to do that. Oh, right. I'll take in two different directions. They're coming up on this asteroid field. They continue with the good writing and the good dialogue. So you wanted to be around when I made a mistake. This could be it, sweetheart. Take a look. It was a great piece of dialogue. Yeah. And who can pull that off? Harrison Ford. And the brevity factor again. And it goes These right back not... into danger. Now, yeah. wait, oh, wait, hey, they got to wait. No, wait. Now they have to go through an asteroid field, you know? Yeah. Again, I get back to the the, the sense of brevity 
that can all be said very quickly, and it stokes the pace of the movie completely. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's super special. Dagobah. How do you spell that? Anybody know? I have no idea. D-A-G-O-B-A-H. Oh, my gosh. Hey, give them the uh, little ATAT walker that you got there. (laughs) Yeah, that was an order, sir. Right, yeah. Awesome. (laughs) So we crash land. Luke crash lands on Dagobah, this Mm -hmm. horrible jungle, swampy, nasty-looking planet. For those that were wondering how my spelling thing was so awesome, it's because everything has captioning where I watch television. Right. So, so I, I had to look it up right. before I wrote it down. Yeah. But Dagobah. But anyway, he jumps off the X-wing. He's mm-hmm. down wading through this water, and, and we it's know a flashback. He, he's I looking think, kind for. Of the, remember, we know at this point he's looking for a Jedi Jedi Master, master right? Mm-hmm. So you're but, you know you're picturing all this stuff in your head. But yeah. I kind of mm-hmm. get a flashback to the trash compactor. He's wading through this water, and what do they do? They have this another back creature, of this creature, yeah, which right. is probably number seven on uh, or six, I guess. Right, Mike Wilkerson's <laughs> list. The, the Dagobah <laughs> creature. He actually <laughs> eats R two D two. I mean, he eats R two. Damn it! Where's my eraser? The problem is, is we don't know what that creature was called. They never named it. <laughs> it actually has a name. It's in the script. And and Mike Wilkerson would probably have that. It's name. in the script. So we get our first introduction to Dagobah, and. What do you think? What do you think of the visuals? What do you think of the uh, the way that they laid out this scene? I love this. Did you? I, I, I absolutely why. love this, and it's because the only vision of jungle I know I had when I was that age was whatever I happened to. Again, my dad wasn't around when I was that age, and so the only movies I would either sneak into or could get access to, the only jungle movies that were available back then mm-hmm. were Vietnam War movies. Right. Yeah. And so the only time you ever saw jungle. It was that jungle. Right. So now that you see this, what really does look like a completely alien atmosphere, mm-hmm. I had no idea what dry ice was back then. How they, how they did that smoke, man? That's right, amazing. Right, what right. is that? Exactly. Is that special effects? What is that? I'd never seen trees like the ones they have in the, the South Louisiana, like they show inside of here, that have mm-hmm. obviously been modified. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the only way it gets better is that when I'm 33, 34 years old and I'm watching the special edition re-releases, mm-hmm. and they show some of the making of Dagobah, yeah. and you go, hey, look at this blank soundstage that is now the planet Dagobah. Yeah. you got to be kidding me. Right. That's how this impresses me, and it still does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of it holds up. Every single ounce of it holds up if you watch it today. The back of Darth Vader's head. This is the first time we kind of get a look at Vader without his helmet on. And, and remember, these are the first two movies. These right. are the first two movies that came out chronologically. Mm-hmm. We didn't have all the Anakin Skywalker, and he was a little boy, and he became, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. we didn't have any type of look or feel of. Who is Darth Vader? What does he? What is under that mask? Yeah. So, yeah. being in the theater and seeing just a glimpse of the back of Vader's head, and I remember because it was all the hype back then. Star Wars was the thing to talk about, especially among my peers and my age group and such. Mm-hmm. What was the theories that you guys heard when you were kids? about who Darth Vader was and what he yeah. looked like under that mask. I just remember the big scars on the back of his head. So you right. just had to think, okay, he had to have those in battle or something. We, you know, or... we, we kind of glanced on this inside of our original Star Wars review, which I guess you, all of you guys can listen to it right now if you haven't heard it already over at com. But what I thought, everybody that had a helmet on, well, mm-hmm. what I thought they looked like was kind of the inside of the Tauntaun. You know, mm-hmm. like I'll just kind of... So to, 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 yeah. yeah, to quote, stand by me, all blood and guts right. and shit, mm-hmm. just like all. Mm-hmm. 
That's what I thought was inside right. Darth Vader's head, because who knows? And right. once you saw this scene where they were showing his, his helmet going back <laughs> yeah. on, did that solidify that oh, maybe wait. you were correct? No, it made no. it even more mysterious, because it's like, wait a second, I know yeah. i got to see the front, because right, i got to right. know. Right. So the rumor went around when I was younger, I remember, hey, he had fallen in a volcano, he had this, he had that, and I don't know where they got that from. But I had this depiction of somebody who was burned or I think it had something to do with or, the... Um, or whatnot. There was like a trade of Empire Strikes Back, like a comic version, but it was like a big, you know, thicker trade mm-hmm. that actually came out before the movie. And I think that was in. So it had. Some I think hints it had in something there. mentioning that Vader <laughs> had fallen in a volcano or something to yeah, that right. effect. Because the the piece of the novelization of Return of the Jedi, it actually has the description, not like it turned out inside of the, the right. third film. Yeah. But it has something way more like look at the crater of a volcano. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right. And it, it, it's, uh, I remember reading it. I even remember the room that I was in mm-hmm. when I when I was reading that book. Mm-hmm. That's when it, you know, you really start, your brain starts to go, wait a minute, what is a, we've seen what a burn body looks like inside of the original Star Wars. Yeah. So is that what he's going to look like on the front? Uh, again, that, that sense of anticipation and I don't know what it looks like, but I'm going to be scared shitless. That's what that, right. all of that yeah. right. was, was for me back then. Right, exactly. And that's when we reach out to the audience and ask you. What were your thoughts? What did you think Darth Vader looked like? And what did this scene do to you? This was the first time we got a glimpse of what was under that helmet. So join us over at twoguystalkingstarwars.com and let us know what you thought of the first time you saw the back of Darth Vader's head. Inside of an asteroid. So they land on this asteroid. They, they, They fly into this asteroid. They're down inside, and they land. It's another gloomy, intimidating, tentious, intense scene. Yeah. And and another alien world that we've well, never another seen. Another alien world. And the, the, ready almost the kiss when C-3PO comes in and interrupts Nearly, them. Yeah. yeah. Nearly has the kiss, and then right. there's some more banter. Take the professor in the back and plug him into the hyperdrive. <laughs> You know, I had a lot of friends that we would use that that verbiage as well, and we just wanted to go away because we wanted to make out. That was right. funny. I still that use that when I, need Pat to, uh, right. when I need Pat to. When I need you know somebody of a higher rank to take Pat away. You know, it, they they continue to pace it well. You know, they're sitting in there. You kind of have the maybe almost romance scene. You have the little uh, comic relief. You know, with uh, Harrison Ford as he pulls that off so well all the time, and. Then there's these creatures that right. start attaching themselves More to the ship. Right. Minus. So right. you know, chewing on the power cables. Chewing on the power cables, and it's that has like to prompt them to do what? As in any horror movie, let's go outside. Let's go of course, let's go outside. <laughs> right. And they grab the air masks, and this is where I lean over to my cohort in uh, Star Wars Crime, mm-hmm. and I ask. Did you get the mail-in gas masks? No, I did not. Get I that. got them. I got them all. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I got them all. So good. So we have a question on that, Mike Wilkerson. Were those masks in the movie attached to anything? The they, tubes. W- were they attached to anything? Were they connected I believe there was to their like belt a little, or yeah, anything? There was like a little yeah. satchel they had. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, no, well, no, yeah. they were just hanging over an edge on a couple of hooks inside of the, inside of the ship. Is that what you mean? So mm-hmm. the masks. Yes. Are not attached to anything? No, you put them on and you can breathe and then you take them off and, and you can the fly the ship what again. what I'm saying is attached to something on the belt. Is that right? Yeah, that's yes. Right. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Very good. To the giant gas tank that has the, the fictional giant. gas to allow <clears throat> them to breathe to through the, to a giant, small oxygen giant mask. Gas tank. Yes. Mm-hmm. And once again, I think For that hours. the detail, the detail, even in this scene, you know, it's a new environment. Mm-hmm. They continue to not skimp on the detail. 
Right. They the air outside is kind of dank and toxic, thick, mm-hmm. and they describe they do a good job without even showing you. But just because of the actors' reactions, the ground is not solid. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, there's a tremor first, and yeah. then and then Han looks around and then decides to shoot the shoot the shoot the deck. So right. right. So they put a uh, they put mm-hmm. a round down into the floor, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden this tremor continues to evolve. Right. Where right. they get the official <clears throat> and I where they get the official guys, Star Trek I, camera <clears throat> of tilting. Yeah. Right. And I got to tell you, <laughs> I did not guess. I could not guess. Nobody did, did no, not I guess that they were inside out, right. of a creature, which would be Mike's number seven. Right, Mike's number five, <laughs> right? <laughs> also known as the Mike's asteroid, number five, the ice droid creature. <laughs> the bottom line is that anybody that goes, ah, I knew that. No way. No, way. no way. No way. Yeah. Not if you no saw this way. in the movie you're theater just, when it originally like, What's came going out? on? Is there is it like an earthquake? Is it is the cave collapsing? <laughs> what's going on here? And once again, they're back. They're back into the ship. They're heading off, yeah. and the pacing is what? On the edge of your seat, barely escaping. Giant. Right. Right. Yeah. And then the you see the huge death. teeth. And like, yeah. what? And this is, again, as we jump back into this and knowing how many movies Pat and I have gone to see in just the last couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. And what we've seen and how inferior it, they all are. Mm-hmm. Just again, it makes you shake your head and uh, just bathe in the wonder of this film. Right. right. It really is that good. Right. The annoying little green guy. <laughs> now, Pat hmm. kind of rounded this out in the beginning. Luke comes down, he's at Dagobah, and he's looking for who? A Jedi a great master. Jedi a master. great Jedi right. master. So, you know, everybody's picturing this guy in their head who they're thinking, you know, and I'm thinking. Fabio. I'm thinking John Wayne, you know, something like that. I'm thinking you Pat Doring, right? Yeah, that, I mean, that, I've got a picture of Pat. We're gonna we're gonna put that up too. That, that, a picture of Pat in right. his Jedi robes. A deal. Um, we're gonna deal. link to that. Everybody can go over to the, the website, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. At two guys talking Star Wars dot com and mm-hmm. see Pat in his Jedi robes, right. and, and that's who I'm looking for. A great Jedi master. Exactly. And once again, as we just talked about that last scene, where I could I would have never guessed. No. It had me. I, you know. It's this right. what, small this little creature? annoying green right. creature yeah. comes out, and he's just another part of the jungle. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm is, thrown. I'm it, thrown. And I give kudos to writers and those who set this scene up for misleading me. Now, I was 12, but still, it was. I thought it was an, an outstanding portrayal of pacing and writing and throwing a loop in there. What'll kill you, though, on all of this is that it is a movie that was released almost 40 years ago Yeah, that shows you exactly what could have been from all of the other movies that have annoying right. little characters. Right. Because right. in this, this was the annoying character. Yeah, but he had depth. Not only did he have depth, but then there was an evolution, a metamorphosis of what the character was. Right. And that's something that you couldn't really vault onto anything. I would say really anything. We've seen a couple of other characters that have had some depth that are alien characters. The most recent one I can think of inside of is uh, a Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Force Awakens, it's the little orange lady that is the with the big the eyes, right? with the big yeah. eyeglasses. Yeah, I agree. She's good. She's good because of the dialogue and the time that they spent enhancing that character. Right, but then also all of the hallmarks that are paid homage to by her, right. by the dialogue, people right. speaking right. to her that evoke this. Right, right. and right. right off the bat, the way that they introduce Yoda mm-hmm. is 
after the misleading introduction of this annoying little green guy, they get into the great wisdom of Yoda. And right off the bat, where they insert Luke, the young, soon-to-be Jedi that doesn't know anything, he's this kid who says, I'm looking for a great warrior, and the response that wars don't make one great is the introduction of Yoda. Hey, you know what? This is the great warrior. This is what I look like, but right. you are misjudging what you see. Right. And that's that was the whole I think that was the whole emphasis of this character. Oh yeah. And that's what they continue and to portray with this character. They do. And, and I loved it. As, as well with all of the Jedi. In fact, this is a sweet irony. I was talking to a guy about a project recently. He was talking about something called the five pillars of something that he's developing that is irrelevant to what we're talking about. But when he mentioned five pillars, I instantly thought back to the Jedi Council mm-hmm, because right. that is also five pillars. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know what the three pillars and then five pillars is based on, it's based on question mark to either of you? Islamic faith. I was going to say the five pillars of Islam is the only thing I could think of. Islamic faith. Okay. And so the sweet irony now of, again, 40 plus years later, where Mm -hmm. you say anything that is the word Islam or... Right. Mm -hmm. And it's all absolute taboo stuffs. But they're willing to stretch into something existential to provide Mm -hmm. you so much common sense inside of a character that is a, a puppet with a dude's arm up its butt. Yeah, I I love that. I I love that they're able to take a character that is, for all intents and purposes, a sock puppet, right, and make one of the most epic educational hero characters of all movie time. Right, it Absolutely. is amazing stuff. And it wasn't an easy feat to pull off. No, no not at you all. know no. you've you've got a a Muppet that you're turning into a legendary hero. Right, but they do it. The Emperor. You mean there's somebody above Vader? I mean, it, this part blew my mind. Right? Sure. You thought right? you know, Vader, Vader was Vader's, the big bad. Vader's it. Right. They've built him up. He's the ultimate bad guy. Right. And then there's somebody that he answers to? you got to be kidding. And you don't really see him too much. You're like, who, yeah. who is this guy? What's right. he look like? It's even right. more mysterious, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, the dialogue that strikes me, you know, we have a new enemy, the young rebel who destroyed the Death Star. This boy is the offspring of Anakin Skywalker. i got a question for you guys because... I can't remember. Was that the original dialogue and the original Empire Strikes Back? Because it seems to be too much of a reveal to me. Did they really say that? I didn't think they. He. I think, didn't think that conversation. I don't. Was that much? It had that much in it. But I don't know. I wonder if it blew by you because of the way that it was delivered. Right. It I, may have. I don't. I don't remember. I don't. It remember. may have. So I, I need. I need an expert in the audience hmm. to clarify that. Was that line in the original? Empire Strikes Back. Did they reveal that much? Because I don't remember the, hey, this is the offspring of Anakin Skywalker. Right. I don't know. It'd be interesting to really find out. So this is where we insert our villains, number mm-hmm. seven, six, and five. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. jump over to your list mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as we talk about the top ten most violent evil villains. Number seven. So Mike Wilkerson... Who do you have at number seven? And don't tell me that it's a beast, any kind of animal. Okay, I won't tell you that it's a beast. All right. But it's the Rancor. <laughs> the Rancor is way up there because he's full of Rancor. The Rancor was pretty bad. I give you that. Definitive badass. Uh, we're definitely going to talk about him more inside of the next feature film perspective review. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's 
you know, you think about the ultimate monster that you love to draw. Yeah. You think about the ultimate monster that has three fingers that will destroy anything that it touches. Right. And that can chew on anything, witness the bones everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was horrifying. It was horrifying yeah. for a kid. Yeah, he's, he was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. I agree. What mm-hmm. do you got, Pat? I'm going to go with the group, and believe it or not, it's going to be a stormtrooper. It's the... the Black Stormtroopers. I can't remember what their actual name is. From the Rogue One, I think. Aren't they the, ones the elite first, forces? Right. There was some type I of elite that, force. I yeah. think that was the. Right, no, it's the special forces of the, of the yeah. stormtroopers. Yeah, with the, they, with the black outfits. Right, and they right. could actually, you know, hit their targets, and they actually were badasses. <laughs> you know, so and, and spoken tongues. Number seven. Yeah, and spoken right. tongues. Right. Uh, see, number seven. I had Kylo Ren coming in. I gave him a little bit higher than. Uh, Interesting. Somebody yeah. else. That, uh, I don't know if I could do that. And I, and you're right. I, I'm not a Kylo Ren fan. He's just not up there with a lot of the other villains. But let's be fair. He's got at least one more movie to make a difference, and we'll see. He does. Happens. So you never know. You know, unless they, yeah, he might have a couple more, unless yeah. they, you know, kill him off in the next movie. But I don't know. That's where Kylo Ren came in for me. But. Number six. So number six. Where are you at at number six, Mike Wilkerson? Number six, I got to go with one that struck fear inside of everybody mm-hmm. inside of their first watch of the original Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the original sand person of oh, the yeah. sand yeah. people. Yeah. Okay. Dude, I'm telling you, that's the thing of nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> if it's they not, were pretty right. intimidating. If it's not the gaffy stick. I didn't know it's, what they were. It's Right, it's the yeah. tube sticking out right. of the dude's face. Oh, right. no, wait. It's the spike sticking out of the dude's head. Oh, no, wait. It's you don't know if he's all, quote, blood and guts and shit underneath of his face, too. And but that's what I really loved about this and this yeah. the entire series of movies is that you don't really know anything. Because it's not shown to you and that it lets your imagination run through. That's way more terrifying than anything anybody could ever show you. Right. And there was a book I remember written. I cannot recall the title, but there was a book that was written between the time when Ben Kenobi had brought Luke to Tatooine Mm -hmm. and the next movie, you know, New Hope after he'd grown up. There was a movie that went into a lot of description and it was a, a, a kind of a backstory or a, a time about Ben Kenobi being on Tatooine. And it went into a lot of description of the Sand People and some of their culture. And it also went into uh, the Crate Dragon, which is the thing that Ben Kenobi mimics to scare the Sand People. Mm-hmm. We see a skeleton of that, by the way. In yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and, and a lot of that lore. It was an interesting book. We'll find out the name. We'll link that up we'll link over up. at our Facebook page. We'll also link to that same link as a video that I found on YouTube about the Sand People and the, okay. the uh, development of the back characters for the okay. second film right. uh, inside of the original prequel stuffs. Right. It's, it, 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 it's singularly extraordinary and makes a lot of the you know, the war crimes of that film yeah. really helped to disappear. <laughs> and this book went into a lot of, yeah, the cultural, the uh, the clan type mm-hmm. of culture that they were, and it was interesting. So, Pat, what do you got for number six? So, my six, even though he does get sliced in half, is Darth Maul. Mm. I mean, what better can you do? He has a double-bladed lightsaber, which mm-hmm. we never yeah. saw before. Yep. And he was just a kick-ass Sith. And just, I mean, that's probably, I would think out of all the movies, that has to be the most epic yeah. lightsaber battle of all yeah. the movies. And the one that, if I had to call one all too short, dude, you could have given me another 25 minutes oh, of yeah. nothing but lightsaber Absolutely. battle between, yeah. if not the two of them, the three Absolutely. of them. Yeah. Just epic. Yeah. Great stuff. And I should and, note and particularly that. particular, the soundtrack. The should, soundtrack for that is oh, now yeah. still Hallmark. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I yeah. should note, too, that none of us knew each other's lists no. before we brought them here today. And my right. number six was as Pat was, Darth Maul. Oh, wow. Absolutely. Wow. That's cool. And yep. why? Other than what we've already said. You know what? If it's he the, me- if it's he the meth head teeth, if isn't he it? Would've, if he would have <laughs> had a longer stent 
as a character. I he think he would have been, been higher oh, on that definitely, list. Definitely, yeah. But he was he was tough. I mean, you got to figure see, that's the tragedy was, of you not following the animated stuff because he actually he still exists. Does he? With yeah. metal well, legs. he yeah. he was. I mean, you got to face it. He was prior to Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. He was the apprentice of Palpatine, mm-hmm. right? Prior to Darth Vader, and it makes you wonder: Was he stronger than Vader? Was he? Was he better than Vader? I mean, the double-bladed lightsaber was a big plus on those movies that perhaps didn't do that well, right? Or perhaps weren't 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 near as good as the the original three. But that was kind of a highlight in one of those movies. And I so I put Darth Maul right in the middle of the pack or something. Number five. Number five, Mike Wilkerson. For number five, I think I have to go to a man that's wanted in twelve systems. He's your number five. He's All right. the guy. All right. That needs to poke the bear, regardless of how stone sober or stone drunk he is. Yeah. And so, you know what? He gets the dick move award, too. Oh, okay. He's, just, he's up right. there. You got him in Don't there. care All for right. that. All right. Who do you got, Pat? So my number five is going to be General Grievous. Ooh, Grievous, and yes. just General because, Grievous let's think about yeah. it. He's got all these lightsabers, so he's killed Jedi. It's it's in the. I mean, he's hardcore. He collects yeah. these lightsabers because right. he kills the Jedi. So pretty far up there on the evil right. scale, right? right. And, evil let's, and let's be honest. When you first see him, he, he has just his two arms out. And you're like, oh, okay, what do you do? He's got two. Then all of a sudden, you see that poof. He's got more arms and more lightsabers, right? And all of a sudden, they start spinning around. That's just cool. Yeah. And you still really don't. What is he? Is he a cyborg? Is he a robot? What is he? You know, it's just. One of those things that I think makes it even more of even more him being evil is just you don't know what he is. Yeah, now he's extraordinary, and some of the the iconographic visuals that they created with him. Oh yeah. He again another character though that was instantly appearing, and then even instantly faster disappearing. Right, right. All of that stuff. There's a, there's a game that's out there. I've forgotten the name of it, but there's one where it actually gives you more of the background of what and who he is that bleeds directly into those into that third film. Excellent. And it's extraordinary because it gives you some detail right. about who he is, why he is, but more importantly, where exactly did he acquire all of those lightsabers? Right. right. Yeah, it's huge. Cool. Very cool. My number five is Jabba the Hutt. Mm. Jabba the Hutt was a crime lord. <laughs> you know, top, I mean, a vile and vicious crime lord. And throughout a lot of the games, a lot of the books and such, it really flushes out that how bad he was. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was bad. Mm-hmm. A slaver and uh, a profiteer on, you know, many different uh, levels of corruption. And Could I don't be. know if you get that necessarily from the movies. But, but you do have to give Jawa some props. He did He did put out probably one of the most iconic costumes out there was the Slave Leia. <laughs> well, okay. We'll, we'll give that one to Pat. Come on. I, um, I, I think we, I have to, fortunately, we I have do to not have... launch my Photoshop skills. We do not have <laughs> on, a picture. We a, don't have a I picture think we will pass Pat on that the, one. Uh, Definitely that outfit, pass. But, you know, fortunately, we don't have that. Anyway, that's number seven, six, and five. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where we reach out to you, the audience. Tell us who you have at number seven, six, and five on the most evil and vile villains in the Star Wars series at twoguystalkingstarwars.com. The great Jedi Master. We're back on Dagobah. We're talking to Yoda. And we're talking as much anger in him like his father. 800 years have I trained. A whole lot of history we go back into of who this great Jedi Master is and was. The wisdom of Yoda. It's the center of the characterization of what they wanted to depict. What do you think of that, Mike Wilkerson? 
I love it all, mostly because this was the time in history that I was so incredibly steeped in Dungeons and Dragons play, it would make both of your heads spin. <laughs> oh, I, I was there too, I agree. The the creation not only of stories and universe for Dungeons and Dragons stuff's galore that followed me into my late thirties is just extraordinary. And I have to tell you that a lot of it was based on a lot of the little inspirations and curious query things that were mentioned inside of not the first one, but just the second one. Mm-hmm. And it's because they're able to, in a matter of seconds, stack all of this history that instantly makes right. you curious, that that makes something that you must now somehow dig into. Mm-hmm. And it was the Oedipus for everything book-based inside of Star Wars. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. At some point when the movie's finished, somebody got back to their car and they go, you know... That was kick ass, mm-hmm. but what happened when? And then you got to fill in the flavors. Right. right. And the only way that you can fill in the flavors is one if you get the writing skill or the imagination and know somebody that can write. Right. And there were people. I don't know. I don't know when the first Star Wars book was published, mm-hmm. but my guess is that it was after this film. I don't think it was beforehand. Probably not. That that would be interesting to yeah. find out. Yeah. And 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 that's what I'm saying is that I, I and the, again it's another one of the light bulb moments that I love to see when we go back to movies like this is that I don't think until right now I could have told you that all of my interest in creating all of the different universes especially some of the Star Trek role playing games that I've made mm-hmm. all that started here right that all started here with little tiny squibs of history right that then open up someone's brain and go wait I need to know more. Right. That's that's what all this is. Absolutely. And that was that era. We can reach back to those who were in the 80s, that Dungeons & Dragons era. I can remember that there were, it was a, uh, for those of you that don't know it, it was basically a tabletop game, but Dungeon there were crawling, people, right. there were people that actually did, you know, act out the role-playing side. And I remember I was younger, but there were teenagers and college kids that did it, and it got a bad name because these college kids, there was, I remember there was, it was big media back then. They went into the woods and somebody stabbed somebody else with a sword and killed them and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But in reality, the tabletop game was the thing to do at the time. And what they had was it was a lot of reading, it was a lot of math, it was a lot of charts, it was dice rolling, and you had to using actually ma- think. Using, using reference material. Too. Right. Reference material yeah. and imagination. And you had to think walking through that. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, Along with based on all the rules that you've either sat down and read about when your buddies went around reading through the books page, page right. by page of reference manuals. But what, uh, you know, all of us will now whip out our phones and go look up something. We've done it at least several times inside right, right. of today's review. And back then, if there was something you needed to find, guess what? You get to go dig your ass into a book and find the detail right. that you need. Yeah. And that was what made it so much fun because there would always be somebody that knew more. Right. Again, leaning back to the concept of what Yoda refers to inside of this. Right. There's always somebody that knows more. There's always two, a master and the student. The rule right. of two. Yep. And that that has followed everybody that has had any interest at all in storytelling, regardless of the level, even something as detailed as Dungeons and Dragons. Right. The cave. The cave scene. It's one of those teaching moments. It's one of those deep thought process scenes that we really have to get into and really have to flush out yes and take a look at what it all meant Mm -hmm. to me this scene meant facing your fears okay facing those things those impossible odds taking a look at yourself Mm -hmm. and what the possible future is going to hold the deeper meaning the, the look 
on Mark Hamill's face when he sees that scene, that how that scene finally plays out in the cave. It moved me. That was that was the scene that that really hit home, and I had to watch that more than once to try to figure out and to see all of the intense moments of what point they were trying to make by putting this in there. That's what it meant to me. But what do you think, Pat? I'll be honest. So at the beginning, you see Luke goes to grab his belt, and Yoda says, "You don't need those." What's he do? He grabs them anyway. You know, right. so he puts his weapons on. He's got his blaster, no his trust. lightsaber. Right. So he goes in there, and it, and at some point, it's, it's a little confusing because you're like, wait a minute, where's he going? And it, I had to watch it a couple times, but you start seeing in the tree itself, it looks like there's like almost building material. So it almost looks like, what was this tree before? Was it like an ancient Jedi temple, or what was it? So mm-hmm. I mean, you start looking around trying to think what was in this tree. So then. Here comes Vader. So now, I remember when I was a kid, I'm like, well, well, wait, how did Vader get here? You know, so you really think, well, this is Vader. Now they're fighting. So it was just kind of like, what's going on? And all of a sudden you see him, you know, lop his head off. The helmet explodes and you see Luke's face. And it was one of those things, well, what what does this mean? And then you got to kind of backtrack and, mm-hmm. well, what's his worst fear? He doesn't want to be like Vader. And right. that's what Yoda keeps trying to tell him, you know, if you... Go to the dark side. You're going to turn into you know and were they, Vader. Were they setting that tone then? Because, like I said, like I said before, I did not pick up on that conversation with the Emperor. This is Anakin Skywalker's uh, son, and so on right. and I so think, forth. I didn't pick up on any of that. They, I don't think that that was any kind of lead would, in. I don't know. But were, were they, they setting that were up? They, were they giving you a little nugget to say, "Hey, that's Vader, a good question." You know, here's here's Luke's. Is is that Luke's? You know, is Vader Luke's father? Is it at his son? You know, it just kind of makes you wonder. Did they set that up like that, or well, was it? My, my guess is that somewhere, yeah, somewhere inside the novelization, the, my guess is that there's probably a more profound answer. Mm-hmm. But before we get to that, what I want to do is I want to first I'm going to describe my thoughts back then when I first saw this, mm-hmm. because I know when I was 10 years old, when I would have seen this, the whole self reflection in on myself thing. Mm-hmm. I know I didn't have any no, of that yeah. yet. Right. I mean, like at all. I, I did a whole bunch of really good talking to myself, mostly just because like I had no brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. I'm on my bike a whole bunch. And yeah. so a whole lot of head talk. Yes. But I like going in there and going, okay, what does it mean that we saw Luke's face inside of the yeah, destroyed it helmet? Confusing. It, it, right. it, it, it didn't mean anything to me back then. I don't know that it really meant anything to me. I think probably until the re-release of the original movies and I was able to watch it as an adult then. Mm-hmm. Back then, I would have just been in my first four or five years of interpreting. And really, interpreting is what turned my brain on when I was a kid. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. I, I go back and I look at what interpreting did for me from age, I don't know, interpreting 12, sign, sign language. Sign language, right. Yes. Until 1999, 2000, officially. But it definitely it put my brain into a completely different gear. When I look at it now, now as a 47-year-old man, I love listening to what you two think this all means, Mm quote-unquote. Because what it meant for me back when I was in my 30s and what it definitively means now, especially having lost my mom recently, earlier this year, is Mm -hmm. this. You are and will always be your own worst enemy. Sure. If you allow it. Sure. And that's what the cave the cave. Right. Remember the cave. I, right. I, I often will think of that whenever I'm getting down on myself, and it's because I am the guy that will cause my own tidal wave, right? not someone else. And Can that, you fight yourself? Can yeah. you beat right. yourself? Right. Yeah. Well, better yet, don't bother <clears throat> fighting yourself. Because you can't loose. win. Right, exactly. That That's what I've always gotten from this, from when I could remember that there was something to take away from this. 
the, the other piece I love is, uh, I only got this one. Pat mentioned it. And again, I'm, I'm 47 years old now and I'm just coming up with new things about this. Mm-hmm. He, Yoda mentions your weapons. You will not need them. Well, and Luke goes and grabs them anyway because, right. you know, he's scared shitless. Right. But you know when he's not scared? When he's got his weapons with him. Right. Except that when he's got his weapons with him, he's still scared shitless inside the cave. Right, right. And I love that. I love those, again, those little light bulb moments that we get even now. Right. 40 plus years later on stuff like this is extraordinary to me. And it shows the depth of writing, but more importantly, the thought process that is evoked every time you see this film. Right. And closing it out, when I look at it now, the question that I have is, I guess I I try to look at a bigger piece of the puzzle. So this was set up. Who set this up? Did Yoda set that up as a test? Do you think that he did he use the powers of the force to set that up or was that just something that existed there? I think I, it's I think it's Luke baptism power. I think I think, think whatever is okay. inside the person okay. that goes into the cave, you take literally only what you take with you. Right. And and, and right. Luke took yeah. along his own problem with yeah. not only the things that he is doing himself, <clears throat> but all of the ties that he has to his father. And, the and ba- what you get to see is the culmination of what happens there. And right? after at, at, at my age now and what I do and all that, mm-hmm. I'm completely analytical. I got to. Yeah. I need to know more, and I need to know the background. <laughs> yeah. So you yeah. know, like I said, I need to know who yeah. put the cave there. How did it get there? What is it? And that's where we reach out to uh, our audience again. What do you think the cave is? How did it make you feel? And how did it get there? Yeah. The last thing I wanted to talk about during this segment too is when this scene starts. Luke starts with. I feel cold, death. And I know that everybody on planet Earth has a place that they've been to that they can go back to mm-hmm. and have exactly that feeling. That feeling. Right, yeah. right. And where is it for you guys, Chris? Where is it for me? Yeah, just like where you where you could remember that. If you're comfortable sharing. Obviously you don't have to <clears throat> You know, there's probably been a, a couple times. I, I I remember as a kid I remember as a kid I had an incident where I was uh, in a, a swimming, I was in a river. And I was a young kid. I lost, it was fast-moving water, and I lost my footing. And we were there with friends, family friends, and I was swept down the river underwater, and I couldn't get my head above water. And it was, uh, it was I, I was going to die. I was going to die. And that's that cold, chilling feeling of death. Yeah. And you know it's it's I've I've had other similar incidents through law enforcement where you just get into that situation you're in the situation where it is a situation of peril and you feel that hey wow this is this is it this is real and this could go bad and I'm on the verge of something really bad you can feel that that cold chill I've been on a homicide scene once where. I uh, remember the, the the victim was murdered, and looking at her, you know, thinking, you know, could a human being have done this? And me going through that house, trying to clear that house, feeling that evil, you know, thinking this person, may, whoever did this, may still be in here. Yeah. It's yeah. a cold chill. Oh, yeah. Pat? So when we were growing up, we lived in a real rural area, so we always... We rode our bikes everywhere, and there's this. And and describe when you say rural. I mean, I've got a vision, uh, but are we talking, talking about like 35 miles where there's nothing? Pretty 50 much. miles. Yeah, okay. somewhat. I mean, it's not like subdivision living. Obviously, I mean, you had a neighbor. Maybe it was half a mile away, something like that. You know, real, you know, gravel roads everywhere. Mm-hmm. 
and we had a little niche of guys where we'd always ride our bikes everywhere and just go exploring. Well, there's always this one gravel road we would go down, and alongside the gravel road was an old barn. And it's the typical haunted-looking thing. And, I mean, it was just eerie. And you just got that feeling every time you – it was almost anxiety knowing, oh, around this corner is going to be the, the barn. And, you know, and you almost – because it got to one of our other friends' house and it was almost to a point where, man, we got to go past the old barn to get to our friend's house. And it was just the feeling, oh, are we going to be able to do this, you know? And it was just one of those eerie feelings you got. And, you know, now you realize there was nothing there. But back then it was just – the, the feeling you got, like almost anxiety knowing yeah. that you got to go by this creepy barn. And, you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, there's two places that I can remember specifically. One was that my, my dad owned a company in Milwaukee and it was called Fesco and Fesco. It was inside of a building. I don't remember what it originally was, but my dad had it completely rebuilt back out. And there was downstairs, there was a vault like why is there a giant vault door inside right. of this business? What 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 in the hell is that? And I remember that there was a stairwell that was about 12, 13 feet from that vault door. And I can remember, it's not unlike what happened inside of this movie where you hear the vault door close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're standing on the stairs, that entire 40-foot space from the bottom of the Echo. stairs, well, not, not only does it echo, it instantly becomes stairs, icy. Yeah. Yeah, like, why sure. is it so cold in this area? Yeah. And that was also, at the. I think that's also when my dad splash damaged me with Amityville Horror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the whole I, stairs it, thing. Yep, right. Dude, I'm, right. I'm absolutely frozen, <laughs> right. frozen to death on stuff like that. Right. And that's where we ask you guys, where do you guys have that cool, cold feeling of what Luke would have experienced here inside the cave? The cave. The cave. Let us know what you think by going to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash two guys talking Star Wars and tell us what you've experienced that was called death. The bounty hunters. I got, I got, I got to, I've got to cover this because Pat really, 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 really likes bounty hunters. That has to be the most, one of the most epic scenes when you see the bounty hunters on the bridge because you're like, who are these guys? Bounty hunters on the bridge, and they're kind of like the, you know, the the empire, the typical imperial is snooty, right, arrogant, and they snub their nose at them. They're like, we don't need that scum around here. You know, we're this elite force, right? And they're bringing in these bounty hunters. And it does kind of lend itself to a question. I mean, you got Darth Vader. He's really hiring these bounty hunters. I mean, can he really not track these guys down? But it's like typically do a very good job with their characters within this movie and the first three especially. They do that with Darth Vader. Oh, yeah. He is this evil and, right. uh, He'll do anything. and strategic planner, this strategic warlord that will use every resource at his disposal to get what he wants. You know, this is the introduction to the bounty hunters. It's a small segment, and you get a good a good look at all of them, especially the epic bounty hunter Boba Fett. At this time, right. I've got to mention too that the lizard guy that you see in the uh, who is by the way, did you get the mail in Bosk figure? I did. Okay, yeah. I did. So He's in, he's in my Bosk. collection. Yep. So the lizard guy, that depiction of that race within the Star Wars saga. If you go to the Old Republic right. video game, he is one of the first henchmen that you mm, yeah. get mm-hmm. <laughs> if you play the one of the Jedi classes. And, Pat, do you remember what that is? Is that the Jedi Sentinel or Counselor? Yeah, I can't and remember. And I think it's the Counselor, the Jedi Sentinel. I believe you get a, a small robot as one of your first henchmen. Yeah. But if you play the Jedi Counselor in uh, that video game, then the bounty hunter, the lizard bounty hunter, mm-hmm. that race right. mm-hmm. is one of the first that you get and they go they do go into a lot of lore of that race and their 
kind of religious beliefs of how they uh, everything is about the hunt, right? And everything is about the great scorekeeper in the sky keeping track of the hunt and the score that you keep for the honor of the life that you live, and that's what their life is about. Uh, you know, hunting and keeping score cashing out. and yeah. cashing right. out. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it kind of brings it full circle. They have the the layout of the bounty hunters in this character, this particular race is within that group. Like I said, going back, I don't know about you, but when I saw those guys, I wanted to know who they were. What, what's their Absolutely. story? What's their backstory? You know? I, what I always think of is like, okay, wait, where's Who's the character guy? sheet? Right, exactly. I'm absolutely in character sheet mode when I see the, you know, the, the misfit toys right. that have been brought in because they can't find these people. Right. And the reason that they've been acquired is obviously, and this was never told to us, by the way, but the reason that they've been brought in is because each of them has a untraditional skill set that can instantly enhance the pack finding them. Mm-hmm. Right. And I love that. Again, it expands your own brain to take you outside the bubble of you're in a movie and now you're thinking about these 30 right. other cool kick-ass things that are inside of this movie. you got to be kidding me, even more? Right, right. Ah, and, I just, I love it. Juices up the pace even more. Right. That is where you know we take a look at, once again, like I said, epic writing is about opening and closing loops. And this movie bounces back and forth from loop to loop. You go from the bounty hunters, they flash back to Dagobah, they're back mm-hmm. on they're back with Luke's training. We look at the classic line. Yoda has so many classic lines. Oh, yeah. The dialogue. All of them. Yeah. What, what should, line is a classic? They should put them in a book and I'm not sure that they haven't. But <laughs> Yodaisms. But one of one of the one of the lines that I love in this movie that he explains because it's I think it's such deep wisdom, is they have that scene where Luke attempts to lift that X-Wing out of the muck and the mud, and he can't do it. He can't do it. It's just too big, and he's, you know, the, the, it's a ship. You know, it's not like a rock. And uh, Yoda stands him up. I mean, just gets out there, pulls that entire ship out of the mud, and Luke says, I don't believe it. And he says, that's why you fail. Right. And it's just classic wisdom. Yeah. That so I'd love to know who wrote that line, but classic wisdom that goes along with the teachings of life. I don't know. What do you think? Well, and and that it's timeless. That sure. I what I have always loved about this movie, and again, I just I just got done watching it a couple of weeks ago after we got done recording our most recent review. There's not a piece of this movie that I'm ripped out of anywhere because oh my god, it's an old movie. I mean, like nothing. There's nothing inside of this movie that says, I'm going to rip you out of 2017 and throw you into 1980. Right. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Right. There is nothing inside of this movie that does that. And you would think, well, okay, it's going to be the the foam rubber puppet. That's obviously just going to be dead after 40 years. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Nope. It's not. And the reason that it's not is not only because was the character well-developed, it is being expertly handled. Absolutely. By a guy that got completely overlooked for awardness. Right. Right. It, it is it is a definitive acting portrayal and I would I would challenge anybody of any acting caliber, even some of our now favorites, mm-hmm. to put their hand up the butt of a piece of foam rubber and make something this magical sure. right now. Sure. It's been done there's been many very interesting voiceover actors mm-hmm. that have been able to do it with some of the animated stuff that we've there's seen. There's been many failures too. Oh, absolutely. But the ability to do what was done here with a friggin' puppet right. is just oh, yeah. awe-inspiring. When you layer on the timeless absolute wisdom that falls throughout every single wisp of Yoda's lips, it is amazing. Oh. Cloud City. Cloud City. 
What do you think? City in the clouds. The intro of Lando Calrissian, one of my favorite characters within the Star Wars saga. Were you guys at all familiar with Billy D? With Billy D at this time? I didn't know. Not really. No, not as a kid. Not as a kid. Not as a kid. And I think that's what might have really impacted my interest and curiosity about him. What I also remember specifically is that I I grew up in no particular demographic, hey, look, no black people neighborhood. Uh-huh. I, I Most of my friends were white, yes. Uh-huh. I think there were probably four or five black kids in our school entirely. Mm-hmm. But I had nothing in the concept of, oh, a black dude. Well, mm, okay. I had nothing like that. Sure, and you were how old? Ten. Ten years old? Right. right. It almost lended to him also being an alien character that I know I would know nothing about because he did not look like me. Okay. And I love that. I love that it now becomes another question mark that you get to dig into because not only do you not know anything about this character, but are you kidding me? Lando Calrissian is the guy's name, and he's got a cape? Right, yeah. Kick ass, bring it on. And for me, Lando Calrissian really wasn't, I wouldn't say he was a minor character, but I wouldn't say that he was a major character either. I would say he was somewhere in the middle, but no lack of... Of acting, I mean Billy D. Williams nails this. Oh, yeah. it's brilliant! And, right. It's another and brilliant you, acting. And portrayal. when you go back into the books and such and look at him and Han Solo, he was supposed to be this smooth-talking space pirate, mm-hmm. right. and he is, and he is. Yeah, I mean, he, he absolutely is. lays lines on Leia. He is. Come on, absolutely, <laughs> he is smooth. absolutely the role. Billy D. Williams, he, yeah, he just smooth. nails it. My, my I mean, name is Lando Calrissian, yeah. the administrator of this facility, and, right. and even better than Mike Wilkerson can do that. <laughs> right. Yes, awesome. yeah, um, absolutely smooth, and absolutely uh, smooth. the absolute perfect fit, the absolute perfect dialogue that mm. they had for him. Yeah, I, you I truly can't, belong the star. I right. can't, I can't, I just can't say enough about how they took. A character that's not a minor character, but not a major character, and added depth to it. And you want to know more about him again? How did did he get here? Quality of this movie. How did him and Han Solo know each other? You're kind of like, what's going on? Yeah, the teeter totter of storytelling with Lando is also something extraordinarily interesting. Right. Instantly starts with, oh my god, Han's going to find another guy that hates his guts because of what he's done to him in the past. Right. Right. And that whole play on the front end of that conversation. Right. It's just gorgeous. Right. Right. Yeah. Right, uh, it was well put together. Telling telling Chewie to stick close just in case something goes wrong. Right, uh, meeting him, there is obviously a friendship that's there. He wants to help them try and make sure that they're you know all put together and right. ready to take care and yeah. move on to the next thing. And, w- and then he walks him down the hall and hey, look, it's death. Right, yeah. and well, well, and and before we get to that, <laughs> awesome. When when you look at a modern day movie where you have Pirates of the Caribbean, popular movie, right, and they depict. This back and forth, I mean, you got Johnny Depp, it's a back and forth, this this hustle between the pirates. Hey, look back at the original where this came from. Star Wars, the two pirates, the two scoundrels, the two smooth-talking, gambling con men that Billy D. Williams and Harrison Ford portray in this movie. I think it's classic. A lot of times in this movie, we have these shock moments, these I never saw that coming. And this is another classic. When that door opened and they have Harrison Ford's head snap around and Chewbacca, you know, let out this horrific growl. Right. And three blasts, three or four blasts of the laser that shows you you can't take down Darth Vader with just just a gun. It just soaked up like a sponge. And he just just grabs it out of his hands. Yeah. 
I never saw it coming, guys. Nobody did. No. Nobody did. This falls in the same category as the space slug. And anybody that goes, ah, I knew it was going to happen. Yeah, no. Uh, no. There's no way. No way did you see this coming. And yeah. you're, once again, gone from zero to 100,000. <laughs> but then you're like, wait a minute. On I thought the edge of your cool seat. Guy. He's a traitor. Yeah, and how did Vader get there? Right, and who else is there? Boba Fett. Yeah, no, it's it, it's all it's all spectacular. And something that we kind of skirted by is the destruction slash disappearance of C three PO. Yeah, poor right. C three PO. Uh, right, uh, that I, it's it's one of the epic disappearance moments inside of probably just about any movie. Right, but then his instant resurrection asterisk. At the end of this film, to reveal is, what you already knew, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's another piece of great overlaid storytelling that instantly paints a picture you would have never expected. And what I like about it is that they don't tip you off to give you any hint of right. what's coming, right? But he gets shot, he explodes. I had right. so absolutely no what's going in, on, right? Yeah, inclination that it was the Empire Vader was on the base Storm or whatnot. Troopers. It was great. Yeah, it was just yeah. outstanding. And that's where we revisit the top ten most vile and evil villains. So get ready, get villainous. And this is the four, light. three, and two. Four, three, and two. Okay, four, three, it. and yep. two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So throughout the Star Wars saga, movies only, mm-hmm. not the TV series. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So what do you got at number four, Mike Wilkerson? Number four. All right. Well, I got to tell you. They just happened to fall inside this film, too. And, like, Pat grabbed a group of people inside the last one. I'm going to do the same thing. And okay. I'm telling you, they're a bunch of pigs. I can't deal with it. <laughs> it's the Ognots. Oh, yeah. The, the Ognots. Yeah, the guys that are the taking... The guys. Yeah, the yeah. guys that are taking C-3PO's pieces right. apart and just putting him into Scavengers, place. Scavengers, huh? Yeah. I realize that they're just doing their job and they, right. you know, they're just making a quick buck. I get right. it. But come on, man. The evil and vile... <laughs> You got the most evil right. and vile list, and he's at number four with the Ognats. <laughs> it's terrible, man. <laughs> okay, Mike Wilkerson. It would have only it would have only taken will, one of them and some peer pressure. We will not to question. really make things change inside okay. of the whole Star Wars universe in this movie. Okay, well, they were not really a classic epic. They are now, but they are now. They definitely are now. Piece of Star Wars lore inside, inside of villains. Makes me want to change yeah. my number four to the Ewoks, but yeah. I, I don't think I will yeah. do it. This is the evil list. Come on. All right. So, what do you got at number? Four. Well, it's someone you had already picked, Jabba. I think Jabba is okay. up there. Like you know, said before, he's he's like the leader. He's the kingpin of the underworld, and he's just. I mean, he feeds guys to the Rancor, who was on my yeah, list. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. You know, so I mean, right, right there, and he's got these big Gamorrean guards that yeah. look like big, you know, big pigs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those guys were evil too, but they all work for Jabba. Absolutely. You know, so my number four was Anakin Skywalker. So not the little kid, but uh, kind of you the, hate kids. What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> I've only got five. <laughs> um, as he turned in that last movie before A New Hope, mm-hmm. it was pretty vile. I know? totally agree with that. Yeah. You know? I totally agree with that. The, and and, and a know, disturbing the, the pain, scene, the, the, scene of, you know, killing the Killing the young kids. The, 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 the pain of having to try and endure teenager slash middle 20s Anakin is that you have to get by the portrayal of the actor Hayden Christensen in many cases. But what he does pull off spectacularly, in particular inside of, I think, the towards the end and then into the third film, is that... Is the turn? He, the, not only the turn, but that he has literally fallen into the cauldron of the dark side. Right. As much as people want to hate on the third movie, there's a lot to like inside the third film. But seduced by... All of the things that the dark side represents, and, the fear, and, and his the life. jealousy, yeah. right. or the the resentment, the 
yeah, the you know if, greed, if, everything if, that drags them down yeah, that they've if, been hitting on for all those other movies. Yeah, yeah I agree. It, it's what makes me want to see what happens slash what did happen when Anakin was given the cave experience. Absolutely. Right. Those are the kinds of Good stories point. that I, I, you know, I, I realize they don't want to do that because, hey, it's a ripoff of Empire Strikes Back. I, I, I right. totally get that. But if I go back and you think about all the hallmark things that should be inside of a Star Wars story, uh, yeah, sign me right. up for that one because yeah. I know that that would be horrific. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Number three. Number three. Mike Wilkerson. Who do you got at number three? All right. So number three, got to dig a little bit deeper. It also digs inside of this movie, and it is another protocol droid inside of Cloud City mm-hmm. that, after being greeted by C-3PO, just says, Ichuta, which mm-hmm. obviously is some, some kind right, of terrible obscenity. obscenity. Yeah, he Absolutely. said something about his mother, I'm sure. <clears throat> right. Yeah. So and I mean, we're at, come on, right, man. Yeah, we're, we're at number three, and... If you can't help a brother robot a, out... I've seen really a protocol droid. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, an interpreter. <laughs> and hey, I was an interpreter, so I understand how the ethics are supposed to rule inside of interpreter. Right. Out the window for this guy. Ichuta? No, Ichuta, no, you, buddy. Yeah, he's. He, uh. Well, from my number Could have saved the be, entire rebellion if that guy it's was. It's going to be tough to beat that one, but I'm going to go with, you know, Mr. Tarkin. You know, he did blow Ooh, up how many planets? Grand Moff Tarkin. I mean. And he, ama- interestingly and he enough. He used the Death Star just to go around and uh, blow crap I've got, up. I've got That's to say all he did. That Grand Moff Tarkin was my number three pick, too. I mean, and because he Moff obliterated right. Alderaan. Mm. And then let's go back to Rogue One. He was. Smoking stuff there too. Yeah. I mean, he was just vaporizing crap because he could. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And and then he took away um, the other guy. What was the the original guy that you picked? Your number? What was it? Your number seven? Orson Krennic. Yeah, he took yeah. away mm. Krennic's power mm. and yep. took credit for making the Death Star, right. and you know, bank, vanquished him. And yep. you know, what happened to him? He died. On and the at one point in time, up. he was in command of Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Number two, not quite number one. I, I I just can't wait. I am waiting <laughs> am, in anticipation yeah. of Mike Wilkerson's it's gonna be number epic. two most evil villain throughout the entire Star Wars series. Right. Who is number two, Mike Wilkerson? Dig for, deep. <laughs> for this one, we got to dig super deep. Oh, I'm sure. Okay. This probably doesn't even have a name. Yeah. Nope. I, well, you're right. I don't know the name of this one, but well, I'll tell you, everyone will out. remember it. Nope, oh. everyone will, will remember it. It is the revisit to the reanimated, computer-generated songster inside of Jabba's palace. That's some evil singing going on right there, because I hate that whole new scene. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to go with Snooty, what's her face? Snooty, yeah. Snooty, okay, yeah. No, but the digital one. The digital Snooty inside the revamped Jedi, Return of the Jedi. completely evil. Absolutely evil. If it was not around, we'd all be much better off and yeah. less evil for yeah, it. Right. Telling Definitely. you, done Absolutely. paragraph. Absolutely, I agree. Who, so, who do you got? Pat so, my Doring. number two is the Emperor. The I Emperor. Mean, I'm, okay. I'm thinking, you know, there's nobody. You see him go from this, and he's always conniving when you first when we go way back to the first movie. You know, not it's the Palpatine. original trilogy as Palpatine. You can just yeah. kind of tell he's just one of those guys yeah. that. He, he gives you the creep, the creep vibe, you know. You don't want totally. You don't want to be left in a room with this guy. He might slit your throat. Yeah. You know? Not and only then you that, you just after... see him grow more and more evil, and then he gets so compelled by the dark side, he basically uses the power and it turns him into the hideous creature he becomes. Yeah. You know, in Empire and Return of the Jedi. It's so. also one of the pieces that they revisit uh, several times because for those that have forgotten the original um, Star Wars, uh, it actually included a piece of a completely different emperor. 
and that was all gone back and stricken back over inside mm-hmm. of the refits. And right. I think it's extraordinary. The guy that plays Emperor Palpatine is an extraordinary actor, a super imposing force oh, yeah. inside of the entire epic tale of what we've seen in regard to Star Wars, mm-hmm. which is so fun and exciting about what we're going to see with the new Han Solo film. Because there's no reason that we couldn't possibly see a younger, what's his name, McDermott, I think is, mm-hmm. I've forgotten the name of the actor. Yeah. But the, the, there's no reason why we wouldn't see a younger version of him that right. is trumpeting and being a, a fan of the rebellion. Mm-hmm. There's no reason not to. And again, it would give even more depth of that character to open more loops that you can then ask questions about. Right. I love my, that. My number two was Darth Vader. I had Vader at number two. And we'll explain that later when we get to number one. Um, and and, when, and say, when Darth Vader? Darth Vader in the original films. Okay. So starting with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Star Wars actually wasn't A New Hope when I first watched it, right? Right. I have and, hope. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, starting in you know Star Wars, the original original film, A okay. New Hope. And so you're not from, talking from, from beyond. Crumpy Vader from Return of the Jedi that turns out to be his grandpa? Not talking about him. We'll have to talk about him later. I did segregate him out from Anakin Skywalker, and uh, he came in at number two. That's where we reach out to our audience and ask you, who do you pick on the most vile and evil villains list for number four, three, and two? Jump on over to our website at twoguystalkingstarwars.com and let us know. Carbonite. What is it, Mike? What is Carbonite. Carbonite is an online backup service that helps to preserve everything two guys talking. Thanks. That, have a great day. Sponsored by Carbonite. Right. Yeah. It actually is. It's a backup service that I use. All right. Excellent. Uh, but the what what service. is it in regard to Star Wars is it is a material that is traditionally used to freeze coffee beans. What was it? C three preservation. Yeah. Freeze something. Like I don't a know. Yeah. Yeah. preservative. Yeah. Okay. Preservative. Uh, freeze dry, outfitting to freeze dry. Insert whatever the hell it was, freeze dry right. stuff. All right, very good. Mm-hmm. What I liked about this scene, it further rounded out that ongoing sidebar classic romance that is unique. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's completely unique, and it continues. It continues to evolve these characters, mm-hmm. right? Han Solo is on the edge of being encased in carbonite. He may die, right? And Leia figures, you know what? It's time that I just say it. I love you. And his response is classic. Awesome. I know. It's, Which it's I'm Harrison pretty, I'm Ford. And I'm pretty sure it was all ad-libbed. I know. His it, part, it, wasn't it? it was decided on the, on the date at the time right, it yeah. was filmed. And yeah. I love that. I yeah. love, I love and, hearing and stories like that. Worked, and that's you know, totally worked. that's totally the embodiment of Han Solo. Yeah. Arrogant. I've to, been to saying it all along. Mm-hmm. Even to my dying breath, and you know, I'll let, I'll leave you hanging there, and we'll talk about this later. But I think it was one of those pivotal moments, especially in the relationship scene between these two. It was just well done, like just like everything else that we yeah. have. I, I, I want to talk about special effects here too, because there's a there's a piece of understanding what you're seeing there, especially as a ten year old boy, that you're not quite entirely sure what's going on, mm-hmm. and the the whole piece of taking a living human being. And encasing them in a door that freeze dries them, mm-hmm. and then put some sort of a control panel that you can dial and read what's going on with their vital statistics. Right. Mm-hmm. Man, that's that's when uh, that would open your brain up to. Well, the three of us were Dungeons and Dragoning. Mm-hmm. 
uh, this would open you up to what was the science fiction role playing, which is something I never visited until probably a long time later. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what this was. It was science fiction. You take a dude, you freeze him, you lock him in a door of whatever the hell this stuff is called, and my God, he's been frozen. Look at him. He's right there. He's frozen. Right. And, and he's floating? Are you kidding me? And he's got the, the death look on him, mm -hmm. too, and he's got his hands yeah. out, and you're just like, oh, is he dead? What happened yeah. to him? You know, And you're just kind of on is, the edge of your seat. What, what's, what's going on? Totally you know? on the edge of your seat. Mm -hmm. And the big thing is something that you've already hit on, Chris, is, is he gone? Right. Is are we ever going to see him be unencased? Right. And I th I know that ten years old was way before my brain would have ever pr begun to process something like that. Like, mm -hmm. uh, okay, so he's frozen. Jeez, what are we gonna do? He's frozen. Right. Right. It's 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 masterful storytelling. It instantly raises jacks up the level of suspense that is just it's uh, it's beyond imagination. Absolutely. And we get the two only I believe lines in the movie from Boba Fett. Mm. You know, which is, you know, he's no good to me dead. Yeah. And then put, well, that later on you get to put well, Captain Solo in the, yeah. put Captain Solo in the cargo hold. That's mm -hmm. like the only two lines he says throughout the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's an, it's an extraordinary piece. Something else I wanted to mention too is C-3PO's banter inside of this scene is such an extraordinary safety valve mm -hmm. because in something that is incredibly perilous, that still <laughs> makes me cry when I watch it, that whole, I love you, I know. I instantly well up right now even thinking about it because it's that powerful a scene. Right. Mm -hmm. But what you get right after that is C-3PO being very commonsensical, delivering some science fiction factoids right. that oh, as long as he's fine. And I'm assuming that when the writers put this together, they said, we want to give the audience a little bit more detail of where this is going, of the status and how this works. And what a great way to do it. Oh, it's brilliant. What a great way it's to do brilliant. it. I don't know that there's been anything that's matched, even in you know some of the the more now modern epic series, where where you have a suspension of wait a minute, what the hell is going on? Right. You get to wait and find out. Right. I don't know that we've had any anything that powerful, even inside of you know right. uh, Breaking Bad stuffs. Right. There's been some you got to be kidding me moments. Right. But there's not anything that is this level. You know, reach in and grab your heart and just hold on to it for right. another 25, 30 minutes until the next movie comes out. Yeah. Right. I don't know that there's a thing, another thing no. like that. Right. The other thing to mention, so as I look at this modern day with an analytical <laughs> mind and ask a million questions that I mm -hmm. shouldn't, how concerned was Darth Vader with Luke Skywalker's abilities? He wanted to trap him and encase him in carbonite. Couldn't he just have... 30 troops surround him, handcuff him, and take him away. Not stormtroopers, because we all see how they work it out. So that's well, why he snow had troopers, maybe. Get the snowtroopers, you know? or yeah. even the you know the elite guard, borrow a couple of them off the Emperor. But, or the Ognots. You know, or the Ognots. Right. But, I mean, I'm just saying. His plan is, I'm going to encase him in carbonite to preserve him, and so on and so forth, but... Was it at this time, He, I mean, was he, was he that concerned with Luke's ability to fight back or his power or whatnot I, I that think, he needed I think he was, that he needed he he to, a, his offspring. to do this I, I think he knew he needed to do something auxiliary yes but i think that one of the neat things about being able to watch anakin slash darth vader grow up over these movies mm -hmm. is his incredible ego and i don't know that darth vader's ego would have allowed him to be analytical enough to be concerned at all he just realizes that 
over the course of insert period of time that Empire Strikes Back takes place, mm-hmm. they're unable to corral this guy named Skywalker, but he knows a process in which he can help lead Skywalker to him. Okay. I.e., you got to go and torture Han right, and right. Leia for no particular reason. Right. Just so that Luke will get the the vibe. The the vibe of right. wait a minute, my friends, I've got to go. I've got to go. And so he comes. But beyond that, I don't think he has any idea that that Luke is near is nearly as powerful as he is, well, or that there's any potential. I, I think it's there. to the contrary because that leads into our next scene, this epic fight scene between Vader and Luke, and there's even dialogue where he comments, "Impressive, well, impressive. You're, impressive. You're you're yeah. trained, but you're not a Jedi yet. Trained. That, that's the that's the ego taking. Right, right. absolutely. I remember seeing this, and this is the second film. I'm back in the theater as a kid, and I remember." People in the theater clapping when he landed a blow on his shoulder with that lightsaber. Yeah, they're they're doing now. It's oh, not was, now it's the not the double. Oz. It's not the double bladed yeah. lightsaber battle and all that. But I got to tell you, this was, was great. Right. Oh, what, and what, what people in the me... theater were just up and clapping. Yeah, because they had portrayed Darth Vader as such a bad guy, you know, in these first couple movies that finally some good is winning out. Right. So I, I think what got me about this whole scene, and we, we've kind of skipped forward a little bit here, but what got me about this whole scene was just the environment. And all of the games that have been the first-person shooter or had a first-person shooter element inside of them, they've all taken bits of what is this scene. Oh, yeah. I.e., there are big open spaces that, my God, if you ever fell in them, right. you would fall for days before right. you ever hit anything. Right. And, I mean, that's horrifying. I remember yeah. that as a kid. Wait a minute. Cloud City, how high yeah. up are they? Right, yeah. and I didn't like heights. I, I still don't like heights. <laughs> yeah, and when they when they start moving yeah. back on that catwalk, yeah, dude, yeah, I'm feeling it. Hardcore. Or the one I'm feeling hardcore. it. The window breaks and also yeah, and all the stuff gets sucked out. Sucked out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where's I, it all I just going? <laughs> and 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 just the 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 time that they took to spend to build all those different right areas and scenes and visuals, it, it was just epic. Which leads us to. The most epic line ever in a movie. That's also which, always misquoted. If which, you, if you, if yeah. right, which, which I'm going to have Pat Doring say. Go ahead. So he says, "No, I am your father." Which it's always misquoted as Luke, I am your father, because right. people have to put the Luke in front of it to know what you're talking about, which they shouldn't. Right. All you have to have to say well, no, is, it's, "No, it, I am it, your father." It's all because of Tommy Boy is the problem, right? Yeah. The way that. Luke. I am your father. <laughs> but the way that, but the way that, the way that that whole lead up goes, is they're having this conversation. He never told you what happened to your father. Right? Yeah, he did. Told me you enough. you killed, killed, him. Him. You killed him. Blah 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 blah. No, I am your father. And you know what? At that moment, the that is the moment with another one of those moments where. Absolutely didn't see it coming, right? There's no way. Absolutely no no way anybody saw that coming. And I'm sitting at 12 years old with my jaw on the ground in the theater. And you know what? Every other adult in that theater is, too. Right. That was that that moment. Here's the question. I'll reach out to the audience and I'll ask you two. How many times has that line been quoted or referenced in other movies. I don't know. That's I know it's a, a ton. But that line is so epic and monumental and it 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 in and of itself is a movie. How many times is that referenced in other movies? If somebody out in, there knows that, in, please go to our 
Movies, go to our website shows, and let us books. know. I mean, it's it's all over. It's yeah, video please, games. I mean, go, it's in everything. Go to our website and let us know over at twoguystalkingstarwars.com. And that leads us to the top ten most vile and evil villains. The number one villain Which I can't out of wait the entire Star hear. Wars series. And, and, and yeah, we're... We're, uh, I think I, actually I'm gonna go. We're gonna go in reverse order this time because we're gonna let Mike Wilkerson's right. epic <laughs> announce pick. his number um, one. My number most one vile pick, and evil villain. My number one pick, the most vile and evil villain in all of the Star Wars series, is actually reverse order of probably Pat's is the Emperor, and the reason being is, you know, Vader, and I had him as Anakin Skywalker, and I had him as Darth Vader. Vader, in the end, does the right thing. The Emperor never does. The Emperor is evil from beginning to end through all of the movies, and that's why he's my number one pick. Go ahead, Pat. Who do you got? I am going to go with Vader, but I'm going to put into the basically between Rogue One and Empire, that time period is when he's the most evil. I mean, he's choke, force choking people out. Right. He's throwing people on. He's slicing people. I mean, he's just evil. You know. Yeah. I mean, he, that's, that's when he's the most evil, that time period. Now, you're right. He does turn good at the end, but... That's where I'm picking him. If you if you just take Vader out of that time period, I think he's by far the most vile and evil villain in the series. And, and now to really find out who the most vile and evil person is, we're gonna have to switch it over to Mike Wilkerson, who's gonna have some <laughs> classic epic pick, definitely a, 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 Not, a notable, right. identifiable character that everybody will will absolutely no identify with. Everybody will be able to identify with them, and they will remember the first time that they saw him as well. Mm-hmm. I, I also have a runner-up. Oh, okay. okay. All right, let's So the runner-up, without question, has to be the Rancor Wrangler. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The guy yeah. and My, big belly, uh, and, he's, and he's sad, and yeah, he's crying. He definitely is yeah. a villain. He, right, but and, he's and making you know, the Rancor do all bad. of these terrible things. The Rancor is just an animal yeah. like anything else. Just you, like might, you might want to lower him in the list. It's, it, it's, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing. And he was, he was remember, he was crying when the, right, when the Rancor died. Him, so right? Maybe it was his right. pet. Maybe you got him all wrong. But, but, but just... Only the Rancor. You'll note that he wasn't crying for the girl that gets her head chewed off or the Gamorrean guards that get eaten no, like no, chopsticks. No. Oh. Anyway, he's my runner-up. My okay. my number one all-time villain inside of Star Wars, though. Mm-hmm. The most vile and evil villain of all. Number one. Is Anakin Skywalker from the third film. You guys are idiots. <laughs> Because I'm sorry, I had mur- it on the list. Walking in and murdering kids, younglings. How is that not on the list? Top, top of the list for you. It guys? is on the top. It just wasn't. It it's not on one. the top. I got Darth Vader. It's, it's on the, the same top. guy. It's just it's not on that the top. time period. Guys, guys, hey, hey, cops, people murdering children. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I, yeah. Kind I, of on the top I, of the I, list. I, I, it's I pretty, agree. It's pretty bad. I agree. Uh, I'll go bad. there. <laughs> I agree. Oh, I mean, thank you it, so much, Lieutenant. I appreciate. I can't that. believe that Mike Wilkerson actually came back around to <laughs> to the right. dark side. A regular. That's shocking. To jump serious, though, an epic ju- uh, villain. Yeah. Right. To, uh, again, my 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 choices inside of this list obviously are on the lighthearted end because. You know, I, I hate talking about evil, but I think all of us, especially you guys that are protecting all of us, thank you, realize that evil is real. Oh, yeah. uh, it, it's not just this packaged thing that's inside of movies that's made to scare people. It is real. And it could not get more real than a kid who started off with a bad row of luck mm-hmm. 
who has seen a series of blocks being pulled out from underneath him so that he's got to make his own life. Mm-hmm. He even has appropriate people around him to help guide him in the right-slash-light direction. Mm-hmm. But he does not right. ascend. That whole thing that Darth Vader gets it in the end, right, I, I don't disagree with all of you, and yeah. yes, we get the end of the sixth film, and yes, he kind of gets the pass, yes, but hey, um, just curious... Dead kids, murdering dead oh, kids. And you know, it's in right. a, on so a serious be- on a serious note, and you know from past podcasts where I draw the line. Oh yeah. So when we go back to that film, you know, and people may disagree with me, but if you do anything to a kid in a film, I'm out. Yeah. It's that's it. Yeah. You know, well, I've hold had, on, let me I've ask had, let me ask I've you had this. too because much reality not, for that. Because that was not the end of that movie. Order sixty six was not the end no, of was... that movie. So were you out? Did you stand up and leave? I didn't see it in the theater, but I don't remember. Okay. But it was, it, yeah, I mean, the TV was it, almost off. It was off. not like they showed it, it, the it gruesomeness either, though. It, it was, was almost they, off. They, they didn't show gruesomeness, right. but uh, we, we, we talked about this many times. Right, right. We talked about that your and see, imagination and, and, is instantly oh, right. and I watched the whole. I watched the whole film okay. eventually, okay. but okay. that was a pivotal moment where, and, and he's right, I did not, I didn't see, so they didn't show it. They didn't show, but they insinuated it, and it was that, almost... Right, and it was almost to the point where, yeah, you know what, you've gone down a, you've crossed the line, it's it's too much. Don't do something to a kid in a movie. That's too much. You didn't need it. What I'm telling you though, dude, that whole room of younglings. Yeah. D A D. You're dead. Yeah, I so, know. So Big does that time. does that mean at the end of Return of Jedi he shouldn't have been a Force ghost then? Well, we're going to talk more about Force Ghosts inside the next Perspective Review, because I have questions about that, too. Yeah. If it's so awesome to be a Force Ghost, what, what? is the criteria to get into Force Ghost That's heaven? I'm, I'm wondering. Where's all those kids? Yeah. Excellent. Just, and why did they, they, they let for, him in? Why yeah. couldn't they be just standing at the door going, hey, man, did they just yeah. forget you don't about get to that? come in? I don't get that. Yeah. So, yeah. The, again, that, that's that's also why I wanted to keep at least my section of this a little bit light at the end. Because, right. I mean, it doesn't get any darker right. than, hey, I think I'm going to go murder oh, some I, kids. I agree. That's, that's I agree. Okay. I All agree. right. And that's where we ask you guys, who is on the top Absolutely. of your a-hole list inside yeah, Who's of, the most evil and yeah. vile villain? Yeah. Jump over to our website, twoguystalkingstarwars.com, and let us know. Oh, we've talked about so much, and again, we're running long during our perspective review of The Empire Strikes Back during the Two Guys Talking Star Wars podcast. We will be right back. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Unlike TV or radio ads, where every instance the ads are broadcast, they're only played once and lost forever. Perpetual advertising could have repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, and even years after they're inserted in a podcast. So even if a podcast is a few years old, your ads will still be impactful to repeat listeners as well as new listeners. This gives your advertising dollar the most bang for the buck. Find out more about perpetual advertising at twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Hey, podcast fans. Ever wanted to learn sign language? How about learning more about the deaf and hard of hearing culture? Well, the time and effort has come to allow you to do just that. Don't miss the Interpreter's Toolbox podcast from Two Guys Talking. Great sign language vocabulary lessons, contests, stories, and more are waiting for you after you watch this new video podcast. Check out interpretatoolbox.com for more details and get cash and prizes for your comments now. It's all about life. Interpretatoolbox.com. 
Are you a podcaster looking for the best discussion about podcasting by other podcasters? Be sure to grab a chair at the next Podcasters Roundtable, a program led by podcaster and videographer Ray Ortega, who, along with a growing cast of fellow seasoned podcasters, helps you understand the ins, outs, and roundabouts when it comes to the quickly changing world of podcasting. Check it out now at podcastersroundtable.com. That's podcastersroundtable.com. The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug. www.podcastbug.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Two Guys Talking Star Wars Perspective Review of The Empire Strikes Back, 1980, directed by Irving Kirshner. Just as every movie's got the goods, there's also the bad. There wasn't, there wasn't much there not a lot. about this film, and, and, isn't it? This, it really, this yeah. film was great. I mean, yeah. it was classic. It's where we're going to have there to jump a, into what are unfortunate nitpicks that can obviously, yeah. just like any scab, be yep. picked at and looked right, at. Right, right. The thing that stands out, and this was a thing that bothered me as a kid, and it's pretty basic. Hey, you ended the movie too soon. I'm not waiting three years to find <laughs> right. out what happened to Han Solo. Wait a minute, they're on a ship and everybody's Come just on. leaving? What's what going on here? Me? Yeah. This is, this is a tragedy. That was, and yeah. I was stomping my... I was like, wait a minute. I mean, it was a great film, yeah. and I waited three years... And I know how it goes. I'm going to have to wait three more years to figure out what happened. Yeah. Right. This is something that could have easily gone under the goods, but it's something that I want to make sure that we focus on is a bad that spills into the goods all the time because it doesn't happen often. Mm -hmm. And when it does, it's still awesome when it happens. And it is. The good guys lose big. Right. But that's and what this I'm, movie was about. Of course right. it is. It was but, about the villains. Right, but but follow me Hence for a second. the Empire Strikes Back. Right, the Empire Strikes Back. But that, you get to the end of the film, and you cannot, even with all the, the positives that happen at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. i.e. Luke gets rescued. He's had his hand cut off, yes, but he's gotten rescued. Mm-hmm. And the stair-stepping. I mean, he's got a hand that's awesome. Yeah, Except it's not so awesome because right. he lost. He lost his right. ass. The good guys did not win inside this movie. Right. And that's that's where you got to ding it. But at the same time, this could have easily been my first good inside of this whole movie. Sure. Because it is a complete paradigm change. Right. You can't go back to the same 1980s-ish no. and find another grand yeah. film where the good guys, where the good guys and lose. And that was, right. that was my bad at 12 years old. Right. Because oh, yeah. I knew I had to wait till I was 15 <laughs> right. to see what, ha- Star Wars. what happened. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah. No, I I, I I love this. And, and that's I, Pat and I will wax philosophic every now and then about a series called The Shield mm-hmm. that is about an incredibly bad cop with an incredibly bad cop entourage right. that does all kinds of bad things. <laughs> and it, it's kind of the opposite, where the entire series is their 
escapades of being bad cops. Right. And somehow escaping at the last second, not unlike what happens inside of anybody inside the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. Except at the end, all the bad guys lose their ass right. throughout the whole thing. And so it's 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 the almost a it's yeah. No, the the bad guys lose. But it's the same thing. You've just spent you've just spent seven seasons cheering this dude on. Yeah. At the end of the shield, you're saying. Right. Or, yeah. yeah. And right. at the end, there is nothing to cheer for. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it it is that you've got to be kidding me. How how does that work? And anytime a, a storyteller will take you on an adventure like that and then be willing to leave you like that, mm-hmm. that's exactly what Empire Strikes Back did. Right, it took right. a complete different yeah. tack and then left you there. Right, and you know my conclusion was uh, there must be another film coming, I guess. Oh yeah. So, yeah. but that that's really all I had with the bad. I can't think of anything. Well, else. let's let's do go back to the, the the lopping of the hand. Now, if you if you go back and you actually watch it, he lost his hand at the wrist, right? Right, right there um, where the hand gets. I don't hit. remember. I thought it was at the elbow. No, it, it kind of. If you elbow. watch it, it gets right right at the hand. But when you go back to the ship. He basically gets it from the elbow up. He gets a mechanical arm. See, I thought it was from I, the elbow. I, I think that's, uh, and I can't no. say this is this is why they did it, but it's it's not unlike inside of battle where if there's a dude that gets his leg blown off by a landmine. So, that, so you're saying that that's they just took the it off of the joint. It, it could be believable. Yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. Especially when you consider, I don't I don't remember what the progression is on the legs, but there's like if you get up two points a inside point, of they have to take that anyway. So right. Yeah, that maybe that may be a, a viable. And very often what that's for, I know that it is. This is how works on the on legs is that the reason they do that is because there is a essentially a percentile scale right. on every part of your leg of where it can go or where it should go up to based on the damage and that's just so you can get a right. decent prosthetic that's put on it the difference to... is that all the prosthetics that we have now are nothing like I mean, that's what we got a nitpick it's the movie we're, so we're really I mean, stretching yeah. it here guys <laughs> really? and the reason is is we don't have anything there's not really anything well, bad we will about go this back movie. to the old you know they have the blockade of the Hoth planet and what happens. Well, we explained that. Everybody though. gets away. Um, Mike explained. Well, we, we had the we had the question about the generator. Did the shield generator actually preserve the planet from being Obviously invaded? Not. And no, it didn't. Right. It just preserved the base. Right. I'm oh, good with it. I'll, I'll, I'll do you. How about this? The walkers take so damn long to get there. Right. Wouldn't if they knew that the shield was closer, why did you just drop the walkers closer to the place? Or well, how about some TIE fighters? You couldn't have just sent some yeah, TIE fighters support. in? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, or drone support. <laughs> right. Where the hell were drones back then? Right. In fact, you know where the drones were? They were in the first two and a half minutes of this film. Where the hell were they in the battle? Right. So there's right. there's some in- interesting bite. Yeah, uh, I, I don't right. know. Right. This is a <laughs> terrible movie. That, what are we talking about? pushing it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Justice it. League that's, was so much better. Oh, jeez. All right. <laughs> and that's where right. we asked Let's remove guys. Pat from the podcast. <laughs> I'll hit the, the Pat delete. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's all just beeps, right? That's where we ask you guys, what did you find that was a problem or a nitpick, in, uh, and a good constructive nitpick, inside of The Empire Strikes Back 1980, directed by Irving Kirshner? Let us know what you think by going to our website over at twoguystalkingstarwars.com. Click on the contact button, fill out the quick web form, and tell us your negatives of this incredibly bad film. The franchise. My God, where were we in 1980 finishing this out? We've talked a little bit about it, 
you guys are wondering, wait a minute, where what the hell's going on here with Han Solo? Right. And the answer is, you guys get to wait another no three idea. years. No idea. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm right. in middle school. I got to wait till right. high school we before know. I get the answer. <laughs> Boba Fett took him somewhere. Yeah. We have no idea where. No idea know? where. Yeah. I right. might even be dating by then. You right. never know, right? And, right. And it also, uh, it's something that we we didn't really Jeez mention. We kind of skipped over. But the the whole Boba Fett concept of who the hell is this guy? Right. Right. We definitely mentioned him inside of our pieces of the review here, but instantly making a question mark instantly made a classic character of Boba Fett, so much so. And little, that they little, used, and very little did you know coverage. that this was actually not the first appearance of Boba Fett? Really? He actually appeared in the Christmas special, which I dare say don't watch. It <laughs> isn't is, it, it, isn't is, it the holiday special? Yeah, the holiday the special. The holiday special And he special actually appears what? in a cartoon. It's actually when Han Solo and Chewbacca go back to Kashyyyk, for Christmas to visit his 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 relatives. When did they make this? I believe it was in between Nightmare, um, <laughs> A New Hope, and Empire. You're well, kidding. We are no, unfortunately go, uh, going to link up to both I'm of these. Pretty, oh my I'm gosh. pretty sure it is the on YouTube. One, but it is the this, animated this one brutal. and the live action one. This it's, is the only time brutal. I will say, do not go over to the website. <laughs> <Right>. It <laughs> is brutal. <laughs> but that is actually the first it, appearance you will see brutal. of yeah. Boba the Fett. Yeah. Boba the Fett. Boba Fett. Yeah. And what what, what is so interesting, though, is that he has now become the impetus for everything that's happened in regard to right. Stormtrooper. Right. And there is right. there is back so, lore of Boba Fett the Mandal- and the Mandalorians. Right. And then, I mean, to like we said, his father had to be the whole clone yeah, army. To an extreme extent. You know? Not yeah. just in the other films that they made later on, but in the books... Video and games. the video games, right. and it's just an extensive backlore, all stemming from you know the Mandalorians who he's affiliated with. Mm-hmm. So yeah, interesting, I, interesting stuff. And what's really funny is that all of that has essentially exploded since leaving mm-hmm. I, I, those years between when there was no more Star Wars, right. and the introduction of the prequels is when all of that was kind of seeded and then developed like a garden. Right. And that's what I find extraordinary about Star Wars in general and why we talk about it inside of the franchise section is that this series and this movie really was the seed moment for all of the modern day what happens after a movie really does hit well. Right. Everything from what is the hype to what happens when the movie arrives, but more importantly, after the movie's done and will there be another. This movie was the engine that made the oh, yeah. pace. For yeah. everything after it. Right, yeah. It really was. Right. Yeah, this was the, the acceleration point. Yeah. Ah, the rating. We get to the rating inside of this episode of Two Guys Talking Star Wars, where we rate this movie, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, 1980, directed by Irving Kirshner. The scale works thusly. Ten is on top of the heap. A true pile of ready-to-eat tauntaun carcass. All the way down to a one, a box of Ognaughts. Everything starts at a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Chris and Pat, there are no halvesies. Pat, what do you got? Well, this is not going out on a limb, but I think by far Empire is the best movie in the whole genre of all the movies. So, I mean, I gave Star Wars New Hope a 10. So, I mean, if I could do 11, 12... 20 empires getting it you know but i mean by far this is the movie if i ever want to go back and watch a star wars movie this is the one i always go back to it's always empire interesting interesting chris what have you got over there i mean i gotta agree with pat it's got to be top of the scale the bands that we mentioned we just had to fill something in the band section (laughs) they weren't bad right i mean we could remove those i agree it's got to be a 10 or above 
Yeah. Um, it's just one of the best movies ever made. Yeah. There, there's a reason that the word empire is used in this. And I, I can remember before I really understood what the empire meant. I actually thought it just meant that it was the pinnacle of something. So the top of the heap is striking is striking back is what I originally thought this was. And I, I find that sweet irony now, 40 plus years later, because when you take the cauldron of quality that we use inside of the chemistry set of two guys talking everything, regardless of what it is. The bottom line is that this movie, even 40 plus years later now is so incredibly well time spent that I don't actually have a number for this film. I agree. Strangely enough, this is not my go-to when I go star Wars though. What is really strange is return of the Jedi. I don't know. I don't have any idea. You know, I'll, I'll, but just like I go star Wars and I throw that in. I will absolutely agree with you. And it's because of my thought process for closure. I have to have closure. Yeah. And Return of the Jedi gave it to me because yeah. when I was, I started, I mean, let's see, I started when I was nine years old watching this. Mm-hmm. I had to wait until I was 18 years old, I guess, to finish it. Mm-hmm. And I needed that closure. And yeah. Return of the Jedi, you know, whether you want to complain about the Oof. Ewoks or not, gave it to me. Yeah. And it was, it was probably. We'll get to that next time, but it was yeah. out of, especially back then at my age, Return of the Jedi was the one that I enjoyed the most because it concluded this epic yeah. story. I, I didn't enjoy Return of the Jedi more than this, but if I'm throwing something in and it's Star Wars, it's almost always, actually right now what it is, is I'll throw in Rogue One because there's, there's something about the geometry of how Rogue One strikes right. me as a movie. I can't quite explain it. Maybe another 40 years I'll be able to explain that one. But the, the, the gist is that I don't have a high enough quality number to give to Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. What I also would love to tell people, even though Raiders of the Lost Ark is probably my favorite all-time go-to movie, like Mine On too. Top of the Heap. Mine too. This one, in regard to pace, there is no movie that matches this. No. The, this is no. such a roller coaster ride yeah. that is a non-stop grab the bar because you're not going well, to stop. Well, and if you think about never. that, that makes sense. When you have a story, you have the beginning, mm-hmm. the gear up, then they take you on this high ride, and then they crescendo off to the end. Mm-hmm. If you take the center, the meat of this three-movie story, it's all adrenaline in this movie. Yeah. It's all the middle. Yeah. And it's it, it's so extraordinary. The, the, again, the character depth, I think, is what strikes me the second most. The pacing gets me. The character depth strikes me. Uh, it's it's so complete. Right. That I don't. I can't think of another movie that has so many deep, striding character storytelling in it as this does. I would go back probably to Pat's comment where we go, look, it's Billy D. Williams as this guy you've never heard of, who is incredibly endearing. Right. Right. Let's show me another movie that does stuff like right, that. Right, they, we we can start pulling out pieces of the original Matrix film, and I think you'll probably find some good quality stuff there. Sure, but what you won't find is tethers to then other fine films that are so incredibly epic. Right, that they just it doesn't even touch them. The Empire Strikes Back was afforded the opportunity to do that because of Star Wars: A New Hope. Yes, right. They mm-hmm. they, yeah. they set the concept and the introduction and and such. To where the Empire Strikes Back could concentrate on developing those characters, really getting into that story. And like I said, it's like a a rocket ship ride where you start out at 100 miles an hour and then you go to 1,000. 
it's a thousand miles an hour from beginning to end of this and, movie. And, so. and it never ends. You're still like, right. what? Yeah. You know, at the end, you're still right. wondering, where are we going from here? Right. right. And I think why we've probably not had something else like this, especially that is Star Wars based, is because of the prolific nature of the internet. There will never be another time where you have dead space waiting for something. Right. And that's what you had between not only the first and second films, not only the second and third films, but then from the third film until the first film. Forever. Right. Because even then, that was just the inception of the internet when the first film came out. Right. And so we we just will not experience this again. And that's why I I still treasure our reviews of doing these guys. Right. We revisit literal times that we cannot possibly visit again, and right. I'm so I agree. thankful that you guys get to share that with me. That's awesome. I agree. Yeah. That's where we ask you guys, what did you guys think of The Empire Strikes Back 1980, directed by Irving Kirshner? Let us know what you think, again, by going to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash two guys talking Star Wars. Or you can just go to the search field, type two guys Star Wars, and you'll find everything that you need to to chime in about what is probably the best-paced motion picture film in movie history. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Chris Giuseppe, your other host. And I'm Pat Doring, the Grandmaster. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.